everyone and welcome to episode, God, 542 of Conversation Street. What did you, what did you think we were on? Oh, 500 and something, but not that many. Yeah, we're nearly at 550. Um, this is a Coronation Street podcast, spoiler free, with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. We're talking about episodes broadcast in the UK between the 26th and 30th of September 2022. Okay, some of the episodes that we saw filmed. These episodes 10,753 to 10,758. The end. The <laughs> end of the podcast. We've had a busy day today and we're a little bit tired today, but we'll see what we can do. Where it was, I, I, as I said, the, the, I'm excited to talk about these ones. It's a good it's a good start to the week. It kind of tailed off, I think, a little bit towards the end, but we're very excited to see Monday's episode, weren't we? Because they had all those ep- scenes filmed. Or scenes that we saw filmed, which hopefully, if you listen to our bonus podcast earlier this week, you heard all about. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But yeah, exciting stuff. And we have got a new murderer on the street as well, which is one of my and Gemma's favourite things to have on current. An extra murderer, because you've already got Gary. Oh yeah, he's been forgiven and forgotten now, apparently. Stu is not a murderer. No. Although you might be... Forgiven for thinking that he was. But he might be. He might be lying. He might be stringing everyone along all this time. Dee Dee's on the case. <laughs> Dee Dee and Alia. Ladies at law. Yes, Dee Dee is in the show this Ladies week. Of law, so sorry. exciting. Um, yes, yeah, so we'll talk all about that later and, um, and and stuff really. So Gemma, yes, have you got a quiz for me? I do because you made me do it. I did. I didn't make you. you did. No, I did you make did. you do it. We 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 had a little home, trip out today. Yeah. And then it was really dark and there was a storm and I was tired and you went oh. I'll go and clean the bathroom while you do the quiz. Yeah, you got to do the quiz. We, like, I think in the last month or so, there's a, there we, we've, yep. haven't, we've had a few weeks off of quizzes, so great. I was determined to get one. Everyone loves the quiz, I know. This week. So go on then. 26th, the 30th of September, years ending in a two and a seven from coronationstreet.fandom.com. Yes. Can I, can I point out, Michael, it doesn't count that you clean the bathroom if you destroy it afterwards. 26th Who do you think I am? Michael Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I missed that bit earlier, didn't I? You made me rewind to see him coming out of the. Uh... Flinging the tea towel around. That's going to absorb the stench. <laughs> All those particles, Aggie. Right, go right. on then. 26th of September 1962. Who becomes the official candidate for the Progressive Property Owners and Small Traders Party, PPOP? I don't know. Len Fairclough. No. Oh. It was Leonard Swindley. Oh. Like those are the two. I said Len. Weren't they? I know, I was excited for a minute. Oh. <laughs> 26 of September 1997. He was held on a charge of kidnapping Alma. Alma. Don Brennan. Correct. That scoundrel. 26 of September 2022. What? That's this year. <laughs> Stephen kills Leo. But what is Leo's surname? <laughs> oh, is that like, is it Tompkins? Yes! Yeah, that's good. Do you like I've that? I've never had a like quiz that? about an actual thing yeah. that happened this year. I, I thought like I'd it right. throw a spanner in the works oh, there. Nice try. 29th of September 1997. Who backs out of buying a B&B in the Lake District? Rita. What cow? Uh, 29th of September I'm just I'm just a raging about that 29th of September 2002 Richard Hillman identifies a body fished out of the canal as Patricia why is this not right? because Patricia's underneath the building obviously what do you know what building? 
riding's flats. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Will history repeat itself? I think, I, I have a feeling <laughs> we'll talk about that one later. 29th of September 2017. Despite going out with Sarah at the time, who does Gary sleep with? I was going to say, Gary is my answer to that one. Who does Gary sleep Oh, mm. Alia. No? Oh, no, that was Jason, wasn't it? How's that? Who was it? It was Nicola. Nicola! What a slag. I know. 30th of, <laughs> 30th of September 2002. Who does Peter start an affair with? When was this 2002? Yeah. Um, oh, it depends who he was going out with first, really, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Lucy slash Shelley. <laughs> One of the two. I, I'm not. I'm just writing down a mark for every time I ask you a question. Thanks I for that. Oh, we've got them all right so far. That you are September tired. 2000... So what was the answer? Who did he have an affair Lucy. with? Lucy. Lucy. I said Lucy first. 30th of September answer. 2007. Who gets accused of stealing money from Jack Duckworth and who actually did it? Actually did it was Paul Clayton, accused of doing it. Tyrone? Yeah, it's irrelevant. Gemma's not been what, totting up my score properly. I, I must have got at least 11 out of 10. Would you like to know the birthdays? Yes. Between the 1st and the 7th of October. birthday today and Wolalenska's. 1st of October, Keith Duffy, who played Kieran McCarthy, and El Mulvaney, who played Amy Barlow. And that tomorrow. Yeah. Happy birthday, El Mulvaney. See, it's bad. It's bad news to be on the 1st because people turn the calendar open and they're like, oh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, 2nd of October, Gabrielle Day played BT Pearson. Simon Gregson, wow. he played Steve McDonald. Scott Wright, he played Sam Kingston. Oh, Sam the Snake. Yes. Sam. I don't know who that is. You do, you do. Tom Hudson, he was Paul Clayton the 2nd. There you go. Loads of birthdays on October the 2nd. 5th of October, Fred Feast, he played Fred G. Stephanie Cole, he played Sylvia Goodwin. And 6th of October, Arlene Derbyshire. Happy birthday. He played Emily Bishop. And the 7th of October is Jim it? Allen, the writer. Oh, okay. Happy birthday to him too. Happy birthday. Uh, right. So, lots of stuff on Crown Street to talk about. That. So let's not um, let's not d- delay anymore and get we've on got to get on with it because we've got to talk about what Dee Dee did with her scrambled eggs. What did Dee Dee do? Do let's find out <laughs> in Street Talk. Okay, so Street Talk time this week. Very excited to talk about this one for our scenes, what we have seen filmed, and um, we're going to start off with the mega story of Stephen. Uh, Reed and poor Leo Tompkins, I still remember, in the bin, and Jenny, I'm still calling this title, Gemma, there's been a murder. I had a few, I had a few options for that one, but you said that was my, your favourite. We have then, you know, last week we had the cardigan storyline, Gemma, now it's cardigan, mm. because alas, Ardy and Kelly are no more, Kelly has left the show, she wasn't even in it this week, was she, and she is confirmed gone. It's cardigan season. It is cardigan season. We're going to October now, aren't we? Also, a little bit of double trouble stuff in there because Fern made a little appearance on that Wednesday's episode two. Next up, we have got the Bailey storyline. I forget it being about James. This was all about the DD debut. DD mm, debut. Can just can some people pronounce it as debut, or is that just pronouncing it wrong? Because no, then it'd be DD debut. They should be just kicked in the uh, bin okay well let... <laughs> I think that's what that's actually what Leo was saying before Stephen pushed him debut Stupid Framed is up next which um, took up a large chunk of Friday's episode and then we say goodbye to Evelyn just temporarily after her um, charity shop stint on Monday so for the time being 
That is our Leveland storyline. I like that. Leveland, Leveland, Leveland. Thank you. So, if you, if then, I had a beloved tree, I would call it Leveland. <laughs> do you would Would you like to do the Stephen storyline, or would you like to do the Cardi storyline, Gemma? What would you like? I me don't to mind. Do? I don't well, mind I'll at do all. I'll do this one. You better make it sound exciting because I flipping flipping was. I think. <sighs> do you want to do it then? No, no, you do it. Right, everybody, listen. On Monday, Leo Leo tries to talk to Stephen, but he doesn't want to know. Oh, Leo. Comes into the cafe, doesn't Still he? Still alive on Monday. Stephen's doing his wordle, isn't he, on that scene. He's like, oh, I got you. You've just given me the idea. M-O-R-O-N. <laughs> I, love, I love how, you know, throughout the week, even after he died, there was just slacking off of Leo. Um, Leo comes writers. in and and, and um, Stephen's like, you gave me the idea for my wordle. M-U-R-D-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to talk to Stephen, but doesn't want to, he doesn't want to know. And he says, Leo, you just keep an eye on your girlfriend. Then in the Rovers, Leo is having a sneaky look on Stephen's website, which is his... What is it oh, called? Oh yeah, it's called... It's like St. Reed, isn't it? Like St. Reed or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know why he was looking on that. I don't know whether anything he's like, came. Is, is this guy really, does he really make clothes? It looked quite high-end, didn't it? Look better than the Underworld website. So. It doesn't have a dodgy <laughs> thing loading with like random people going, um, I don't know what to say. He, whoever designed his website. Well, that's why, um, that's why they wanted to get the web designer that did his website. Very true, yes. Yep, they know. know how to make a retail website. Who'd have thought it? Anyway. Um, Jenny's all excited because she's going to go to Canada. Then when she goes off to do something, Leo confides in Daisy that he's still a bit hurt about what happened between Jenny and Stephen. Then his dad turns up. Teddy. So this is the guy who was um, fancied Jenny, didn't he? Yeah, when he, back when they were at school together. He's been in it before, very, in the very early days, which is when... Jenny realised that the, the age gap was... Um, well, the, yeah, the early days of this of this storyline, yeah. Yeah, not the early days of the show. Yeah, yeah. the meet-up he in the hospital. He was first in it they? in 1962. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were in, um, in the hospital together and, and Jenny That's and right, when Leo was reminiscing there over old times. It's <laughs> <laughs> Leo Bottomy. <laughs> Teddy... <laughs> Is that why it's called that? Because they all they yeah. all like um, model the patients' it, end results on Leo. We, we won't state. we won't make fun of Leo anymore after this week's episode. We promise. We just won't mention him. <laughs> oh, really? Um, Teddy hears all about this kiss. He cannot believe that Leo is still considering to go halfway across the world with that old slapper, and he needs to ditch her. And Leo won't listen because if his dad won't accept Jenny, then he is done. Didn't Jenny say to I can't remember if it was Jenny or, or Teddy himself that said that Jenny used to be compared to a rally chopper or something back in the eighties. That's a bike. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Top Gear around here, isn't it? <laughs> Daisy tries to convince Leo he's doing the right thing, and Jenny is totally committed to him. Leo, do you remember last week he left a message I on the estate agent's phone saying that he was Stephen's. Uh, assistant and he wanted to talk to her, them about this um, listing that Stephen had tried to arrange which was secretly to put uh, Audrey's house on the market without her knowing because he said that she had dementia. Right, well, now the meeting has come to fruition. Leo meets up with his estate agent who is very surprised that Stephen still wants anything to do with him and um, Leo says, oh, it's all a big misunderstanding. Let's smooth everything over. Um, can, can I get some details about this booking? And... Um, he finds out that it was a bit of a rush and uh, he kind of, yeah, a few, he's... Th- few things that make him suspicious of what the hell 
um, Stephen was up to. Yeah, because and... Stephen had originally said that he made the booking like months ago, hadn't yeah. he? And then he'd forgotten about it or something. But yes, Leo is quite caught him out in a lie, shrewd he? In his uh, in his questioning, and, and yeah, finds out that oh, massive lie. What Leo also spies on Stephen as he get, lets Gabrielle into the factory. Follows them in. They go out the back, and Stephen still um, he he sneakily goes up to the gantry, doesn't he? Leo does, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I Stephen... don't know how he managed to go up there without clang, clang, clang. I suppose it was on the he went through the inside, didn't he? <laughs> and I, and I don't really know why Stephen and Gabrielle needed to go outside to have this secret private conversation. Secret. I know, you may, usually if you want to have a private and secret conversation, you stand on the street corner so that people can approach you from four <laughs> different directions. So, um... It's, this is how you know Stephen's going to be a master criminal. He knows to have his secret conversations <laughs> where actually no one's going to be. Mm. So, Gabrielle and Stephen standing outside the back of the the factory, which will become a more familiar scene yes. for you over, over this week as um, Stephen likes to lurk up and down like a cat in heat. Uh, he is still insistent that he's going to get Gabrielle her money within a month. And she tells him that he's robbing his mother, which Leo watches from above, like, interesting. Yeah, he goes like, oh, he's been a, what's he say? He's been a naughty boy then or something along those lines. Well, um, after Gabrielle goes. G- Gabrielle goes and Stephen go- sees Leo up on the balcony. It's kind of like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> If they hated each other. Um, <laughs> he unveils, he's figured out his old plan. And um, he says he's going to phone the police once he's spoken to Audrey. Takes out his phone. At this point, they're both standing up on this little balcony. It's on the gantry, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is where Tina McIntyre was. Or was it? No, 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 she, no, 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 no that's she was, the builder's yard. That was the builder's yard. This is a kind of, a, this is a location that they've never really used before. No. And it's not, you know, it's not new. There's always, there's always been... At least since the Media City move, I think there's always been this little brewery lane area um, and the back of the factory, but very rarely have there been scenes there. very, very rarely ever been used. If you want to imagine where it is, um, if you remember back to when Spider was leading his um, posse into the brewery to sleep, sleep in there, and then who was it that came and told them to bugger off? Um, Debbie, I think. Oh, yeah, Debbie and Ron. So um, that little brewery the doors there is very very close to the back of the of the factory if you go through a massive gate it's literally the other side of that and Mm. if you also imagine um the platz house is backing onto it It, it's very it's literally the other side of the factory yeah obviously so um they're on the gantry together leo's threatening to phone the police and and tell audrey takes out his phone then they start to struggle and, um, yes, the, the, Steve, Leo drops his phone, doesn't he? Um, Stephen bops his head on the railing and he kind of, uh, he's, da- he's dazed, isn't he, uh, Leo? And then, it's difficult- and then Stephen takes out the trash. It's difficult to know, uh, like, because I don't think he was dead at that point because as he goes over the edge of the balcony, he's, he didn't like scream as he went down or anything, but he definitely seemed conscious, like he was trying to stop himself from going over. But he was uh, he was on his way out. That that was a bit of a fatal blow to the old noggin, wasn't it? So, um, see, yeah, Stephen pushes him over, and there's a bin handily below. A handily open bin as well. Miscellaneous household waste, straight in. Um, Stephen runs downstairs and sees Leo dead in the bin. 
and we get a couple of close-ups. It was very um, harrowing and uh, and gory. It was a bit. It remind. I said at the time it reminded me of that bit in the Ring movie where the car- car- the characters are talking and they just cut to that to the the, the girl in the cupboard with her like sort of face on. It was um, yeah quite grisly. Yeah, it's his his dead face with a bit of blood coming out of his ear. Yes. Um, he's like, oh dear. <laughs> Quickly closes the bin because Sarah comes out. Going, bye 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 bye. Have the bin run bin. Nah, 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 nah. And um, she she she's got some rubbish she wants to give she, to throw in there, and he grabs it off of her so that she can't open the bin. And then she's like, "Say then, why don't you come to the mystery with me? I want to talk to you about my pants. Well, yeah, we should be in your business. I wear around women's fashion. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think our website's that good. Well, 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 well. Stink reads such much better than that." And Stephen, in the meantime, is just like having his little meltdown, isn't he? Like he's just killed a man accidentally. Yep. And, and it's so, uh, and Sarah is so so self-absorbed that she doesn't even notice that he's just because white is a sheet. I he's shaking. The thing is about her is probably a self-preservation technique for her marriage. If she shut up talking every time somebody looked like they were completely uninterested in what she was saying, she'd never say another word to Adam again. <laughs> so Stephen and Sarah go to the bistro. <laughs> What are you having for your dinner? Pizza, all that, and really good. Jenny, Rita, and Daisy are there, wondering where's Leo got to, and um, she's uh, Jenny's leaving him a message. Stephen's always in the back. Was no, was Stephen at the bar during this? And then Jenny was in the background, wasn't she? And he's just kind of listening in, realizing that you know this person that they're talking about and wondering where he is. He knows exactly where he is. He's in the bin. He is right in the bin where he belongs. Sorry. So, Stephen's listening to Sarah, also listening to Jenny and co having this conversation about, ooh, Jenny and Leo starting a new life together. Well, it would have to be a new life for Leo, wouldn't it? (laughs) Um, There's extreme close-ups a few times of his guilty face. Then Rita presents Jenny with a photo album. <laughs> She's really ungrateful about it as well, isn't she? She's yeah. like, why do I want this for? But we didn't even get to see the pictures, did we? I don't think we I did, I wanted no. to have a little nostalgic flip through. But no. Um, Rita raises the toast to Jenny and Leo. Then Jenny catches Stephen as he leaves saying, look, it's a dirty trick telling Leo about you and I having a kiss. So it didn't work. If anything, it's made us stronger. Anyway... Uh, she warns him, don't mess around with Leo because he's strong and you wouldn't want to tussle with him. <laughs> and he's like, well, good luck. And uh, she accepts that as an apology. And um, he sort of stumbles away. He's still completely shell-shocked about what's happened. And he sort of walks towards the factory, but Carla's already there and the police are there. And he's completely shocked. He thinks he's already been rumbled. But no, it's because the gantry door has been left open and it triggered an alarm. And he's like, it wasn't me. I don't know anything about it. Um, Maybe it was Sarah. She's such an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Carla calls him a fibber and says that Sarah said that she saw Stephen there. And then he says, oh, I just needed some air. And that's all it was. Police come back and they say, oh, oh, tell you what, we've had a thorough look. (laughs) At the cobbles outside, no blood, so I don't know if there was any crimes here, but certainly couldn't see any straight away with looking with our eyes. They should have at least had Officer Craigie on this, and then we'd have believed what yeah, he didn't do quite, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so now we know that there's at least two incompetent officers on the force at Weatherfield. Uh, yes, um, Officer Craigie would have been out there going... I want to open the bin, but I know it's just my OCD, which I don't have anymore, because I've completely cured myself of that storyline, so I'm not going to open the bin. 
five times. <laughs> so they tell Carla to look at the CCTV and he's like, oh no. And um, Stephen says, oh, oh, was everything all right out there? Did you like our bin? <laughs> and the cops say, yeah, come and look at it. So they all stand around the bin talking and Stephen's just like staring at it. And uh, they've got this bottle and they want to put it in the bin. He's like, I'll do it. Nobody's noticed that Stephen suddenly like turned into Maria as far as putting things in the bin is. Bin is concerned. What do you mean he's turned into Maria? Like she likes recycling and so does he. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, there is a, a final scene, isn't there, at the end that we saw, we saw filmed. Where he moves Whoa. the body. Oh yes. Sorry, There's I didn't. I haven't written notes about this. You've written end scene, and then you looked at me. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was. I was too obviously gripped at seeing this scene that I didn't actually write any notes. I think I'm pretty sure that's not how the episode ended. Oh yes, it was the one where he drags the body. Is this called Kiwi Park? Was no, no, no. Kiwi Park was Wednesday. This was the episode. This was the scene that we did see filmed. Remember. Yes, Michael, it helps when you write down notes and don't just write middle scene, beginning scene, end scene. All right, go on then. What happens at the end of the episode? Well, um, there was a scene where two people were standing behind the camera watching in awe. <laughs> As um, It's difficult to remember because I, rem- I remember exactly what happened when we watched it, but, I, but what was shown in the, in the show was a lot shorter than what we actually saw. Yes. So it's dead of night and you get, uh, Stephen comes in and he, the bin's there, everything's dark and he sort of looks around all kind of suspiciously. Then he flips the bin open. He's like, oh no, what have I done? And then he tips the bin over and the body sprawls out. And how many bin bags were in there? <laughs> I can't remember, but definitely very long conversation about how many there should have been. Yes, there was. Um, then he takes the dummy's feet, <laughs> and I don't mean Leo, <laughs> I mean the actual dummy, which uh, if you want to see what that looked like, you need to go to our Instagram because it actually was pretty funny. Yeah. It didn't look... Not the best likeness. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so he drags Leo's corpse um, into the, the underworld van uh, that's waiting handily there, all the while disgusted with himself and his violent tendencies. Yeah. Is that correct? That is exactly what happened, and so ended the episode. And um, if you want to listen more about some of the funny things that happened when we watched that and the story behind how we got to see that filmed, you need to listen to this week's bonus episode, which I think it's was all there. Wednesdays. And yes, it, it came out on Wednesday. Very good fun, um, really, really privileged and humbled to be able to have seen that being filmed. Um, Matt Hilton directed it. And if you, you you'll know if, cause if you watched it, how harrowing actually it was with all the different angles that he used and the, the sort of the music in the background was really good. It was just it was yeah, it so was dark. Percussion sort of music, wasn't it? Mm, it was like, uh, well, there, there was an awful lot throughout the second half of Monday's episode and also Wednesday's episode that was super tense. And part of it was down to the um, just the atmospheric noises that were used. Yes, and the and which the I don't usually like, but it worked very well here. Shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wednesday, we uh, we start off with this really great flashback and. Um, Flashbacks can be quite controversial and divisive on Coronation Street. Um, some, you know, and the way they do them, are, there's kind of cliche ways of doing them. You either play back the sound as you close in on someone's face going, oh, I remember that happening. Or you just play the, sh- the, the, the scene again 
and yeah, you put a filter I, over it. And I, I thought that's where this one was going at first. I was like, well, you, you don't need to show it again. We remember what happened. But so it opens it up with the filter, the sort of the grey filter on the scenes we'd previously seen on Monday, where. Stephen bonks Lee on the head and chucks him. But this time, we also get to see current day Stephen standing on the ground, looking up to the ga- to the the, ga- the galleyway, what's Gantry. it called? Gantry. As, um, as Leo's corpse kind of cartwheels through the air into the bin. And it was really, really, I, I absolutely loved it. This is like my favorite shot of the whole year on Coronation Street, just, just seeing Lee, Stephen in these two like him looking at himself in the past mm. from a totally different perspective watching this murder take place in front of his eyes standing in front of this bin where the corpse was mm. where the corpse landed watching Leo kind of fly through the air yeah it's very nicely done I, I don't think I've ever seen a flashback done that way well Cory doesn't do flashbacks very often no, does it not on Coronation but, um, Street usually it's just I mean I, I I'm being very generalising here, but often it's just kind of a bit blurry, a bit fuzzy, but they don't do any, try to do anything too arty with it, did they? But this time, it, they, they really did. And I appreciated it. Michael comes out and says, oh, it, looks like, it smells like someone died in that bin. <laughs> he can talk. He's the one that makes smells. <laughs> He's just trying to cover the fact he did a fart. <laughs> so my, do you think so when Michael needs to fart, does he go out and fart in the bin? And go, oh, that smells like a corpse. <laughs> I think this whole story, the, the whole story is actually secretly always been about um, Michael's... Michael's flatulence. <laughs> Michael flatulence. <laughs> That's my favourite dancer. Um, so obviously Stephen feels a bit awkward about that because there was a dead body in there. He's like, oh no, I think he died when I bonked him on the head. <laughs> so in the Rovers, Jenny's panicking about where Leo is because they're supposed to be going off, aren't they, mm. to, to Canada. Today. And Daisy tells Daniel that Leo was rattled by his dad coming in and uh, she's a bit concerned. Jenny goes look, looking for Leo and she sees Shona at the cafe and, and also Stephen's there looking white as a sheet. And then Maria sees... So Stephen's at the pub now as well. This is what I do when I've murdered yeah. someone. I just wander around looking like From Lady eatery Macbeth. to eatery. Um, Maria notices he's got dirty nails. I don't know why she says this about... Well, she is, she? A, she is a nail lady herself, isn't she? Maybe she's... She maybe, works at a salon. Uh, maybe it was the um, the nail thing, or maybe it was the environmental thing. Maybe. Maybe she's like, wow, Stephen, are you starting world, a Stephen? garden in your nails? You're going <laughs> to grow some cress. Um, Daisy speaks to... Daniel. You've written Daisy. Yes. Uh, within Stephen's earshot and reckons Leo's got cold feet and oh, going no, to she Canada. Oh, no, this is Jenny. She's without Jenny. Yes. And she's going to let her know. So it was Daniel. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that, sorry, that was my poor notes again. Yeah, Daisy's saying to Daniel, right, he has gone, hasn't he? I'm going to go and find Jenny, take her out somewhere public, announce to her that, 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 that she reckons that Leo's gone and she says that I'm going to do this in public so she doesn't have a total meltdown in front because she's less likely to have a total meltdown when there's people around or something, isn't she? Which is a bit insensitive, I thought. I know everyone probably thinks I'm really mean when I say I don't understand what Michael's notes are and you probably think, Gemma, you should know because you watched it. I challenge you to read notes from a week before and understand when a, when somebody's name is written in the wrong, in a sentence in the wrong order. It's actually really difficult. Sorry. No, I'm not blaming you because you write all the notes. You do really hard work. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be mean. I just literally do not know what you mean. I'm not trying to make <laughs> a big deal Daisy about it. When I say Daisy talks to Daisy. <laughs> Sorry. 
Right, Daisy and Daniel take Jenny to the bistro, as you said, and Daniel's like, oh no, I've got to go, because Bertie's thrown up at the nursery. I don't feel that Daniel particularly added Daniel much to this week's off, Coronation okay? Street. It feels like Daniel's like, well, in my contract it says I've got to be in. Yeah, and we haven't seen him very much I've recently. I've got to be in 52 it? episodes, and <laughs> if you don't put me in every episode for the rest of the year, I'm afraid I need some extra money, thank you. So, um, Daisy tells Jenny they think Leo might have done a runner, and the taxi's booked for 40 minutes from now, so what do you think, Jenny? Do you think that <laughs> something's up here? And Jenny's like... Actually, you're right. He's jumped me, hasn't he? She says. Meanwhile, we see Stephen sneaking around the back of the Rovers when the pub's empty. And he... Yeah, the, the, not the back of the Rovers outside, but the inside. He's going through the bar. Yeah. Because, obviously, Daisy and Jenny aren't there anymore. Gemma's ma- manning the pumps. Um, but and, she's upstairs. And uh, making herself toast or something. So Stephen sneaks in and uh, he we follow him to the living area. And this is really interesting, too, because we get to see the fourth wall of the corridor of the Rovers, which has very, very, very rarely ever been seen. Yeah, no, they fact, never show that, do I they? I really don't know how well, many they, times. they had that little table there, didn't they? And it's like, I don't, I don't really recognise that. I've never seen that before that, in my life. But it was a cool little shot going from the bar area through the through the back bit yeah. into the, the living room, which... So he gets in there and he takes Leo's passport off the table. Then he, he hears something. There. Oh, my goodness. Um... Jenny and Daisy leave the bistro and Jenny feels like an idiot. Oh, why did I stalk Stephen? I can't believe this. I reckon Leo's gone to Canada without me. And Daisy says, well, he can't. He's left his passport here, so he's not going anywhere. So Jenny strides off to the Rovers. Gemma, meanwhile, has come into the kitchen to get something. Her cheese on toast. And uh, Stephen has to hide behind the door. And um, as uh Gemma comes out he grabs Leo's bag with all of his stuff including his passport and manages to sneak out of the rovers without anybody seeing him um Jenny uh Jenny then gets back and there's a message from Leo is that on his her phone no 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 when I say she gets the message <laughs> sorry this is terrible note taking and no she just realizes that um she yeah. understands because the the passport's gone now because there were both their passports were on the table. Yeah, and the bag was there, and she says, "Oh, well, his passport's gone. The bag's gone. He must have left me. He must have come in while we were at the bistro. It really is over now." She's distraught. She removes her ring, and don't worry, the notes are clear there. I know you mean engagement ring. I do. And <laughs> later on, um, she's doled herself up, isn't she? She's kind of wearing a power outfit, like uh, a re- like Diana's revenge dress, <laughs> and uh, she's. Uh, putting on a front isn't she at the bar and then uh michael michael comes in and says oh when you off when you off to canada and she's like get out of my pub and um she she gets really angry and she also has a go at stephen for giving her a dirty look and rita says it feels like you're not actually over this as much as you're claiming that you are why don't you go to the airport to see if you can catch leo before he leaves what have you got to lose so she, she goes and she comes back. We don't see her, but we see her returning and it hasn't gone very well because they weren't allowed to go any further than the check-in desk, but they never saw him there. And uh, he's gone. That's it. Uh, nobody could believe this because Leo seemed like such a good bloke. And uh, back in the back, Jenny talks to Daisy about how this is karma because she didn't take him seriously. And uh, she thought she she was punching above her weight and Daisy says, no, look, it was just bad luck, a bad bloke, he was a, and he was a bit boring, Jenny. <laughs> this is the most interesting thing he's ever done, she says. <laughs> Jenny says, she's back to square one, on the wrong side of 50, 
And Daisy says, but you're on the right side of fabulous. Then we get the end scene. Yes. Which is the one I thought you meant on Monday. No. Which is Kiwi Park, as I said before, I think. Industrial yeah, I think estate. Right. Um, which was the location shoot that uh, they filmed. Um, we didn't go to. Um, and... There was supposed, I think there was supposed to be a, a, a grave digging scene, but I think they probably decided not to do that because they just had another grave digging scene. Like. I'm not sure whether there was supposed to be a grave digging scene or not, but we saw a grave, but I think it was a bit of a blink and you'll miss it um, shot of it the grave. It was in the foreground of a shot. Yeah. There was some disturbed earth, mm. which I don't think was very, very obvious it was that a... it was a grave. But we, all, we did see Stephen burning um, things, which are... Including the passport. Which are his effects. Yes. So, he's dead, everybody. In case you didn't know. Friday. Jenny's trying to do yoga to get rid of her anger. Just take it from me. It doesn't work. Daisy tells her she's tried calling Leo, but it's no good. And Jenny's fuming. Um, Stephen revisits the scene of the crime. He, he almost has a big big flashback, but they don't have the budget for that. So, he just looks at the phone. He find, Yeah, he finds Leo's phone on the floor, yeah. doesn't he? Uh, it's Somehow the police managed to completely miss when they were combing the area like, on Monday's episodes. Or rescue cats from trees. So. It, it does have a good battery, doesn't it? Like I know that Coronation Street only has a three-day week, and so it was only two days since Monday. But um, even so, yeah, these obviously these Android phones have got you know good good battery life. Just saying, if Argos wants to do a tie-in. They do a lot worse than advertising whatever phone it was that <laughs> Leo's left. Yeah. This world. Um, Glenda turns up for a shift and Daisy has to tell her they don't need her anymore because Jenny's not going to calendar. So Glenda tries to convince her that she should be hired and Jenny feels guilty and says, look, just give her the odd shift. Stephen comes in and acts surprised that Jenny's not gone to calendar. And Jenny says, look, Leo's gone. Dead, buried, forgotten. And uh, if only she knew. Stephen's like, this is really awkward. <laughs> uh, Teddy comes into the pub, Leo's dad pretty mad because um he can't get hold of leo and he blames jenny uh for the fact that he can't he, he can't get in touch with his son if i was steven here at this point i'd take advantage of everybody's ignorance about canada and i'd say oh yeah sorry in canada we just don't have phones or the internet <laughs> or or television so if you need him you're gonna have to send it a message by moose <laughs> <laughs> And Teddy's like, can't be stuffed with that. I'll just Teddy's assume like, he's oh, okay. Whatever, boring. No, don't fancy that. Um, I would say, don't mess with moose. With a moose. Have <laughs> you seen how big they are? They're bloody huge. I've never come face to face with one, but I believe a you. big moose would like fill this room. They're really tall. What? Yes, they are. They get really, really tall. Wow. They really do. I'll show you a video later. Okay. If you're listening to this and you have a Canadian friend, just text them right now and say, send me a video of a moose. <laughs> they will love to send you a video of a moose, I'm telling you. <laughs> right, so, um, Teddy's like, fine. I'm not going to, I don't know how to contact him then. Daisy tries to call Leo again. And then Stephen, bloody Stephen put this Leo's phone in his breast pocket. And then his phone starts ringing. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to have to do better than this if you want to be Corey's next master criminal, Stephen. Sorry. Richard Hillman would he's never like, have done that. Just I'm, saying. I'm really sorry. I had an Eccles cake for lunch. <laughs> he runs off. Um, so then we also get Glenda... Is this Glenda that said this? 
Um, no, no, say Je- this. Well, Je- no. Jenny sees that um, Glenda has poured a slightly dodgy looking pint, but agrees to give her another shift anyway. And she, yeah, she sees this this pint with a very big head on it, and she says, "Do you want a flake in that, love?" Which is a reference to an old Boddington's advert, which is I think local Manchester beer or something. There's an old advert, and this must be like back in the nineties, wasn't it? Where there's um there's a desert, and there's this um runner. Running as this like sprinter, like, run, running through Walton the desert, and there's an ice cream van there. And Melanie Sykes, um, local totty, local totty Melanie Sykes is there as the ice cream brunette, um, booby lady, very very beautiful. She wasn't particularly booby, was she? Um, I don't remember. But anyway, she um, she, she made the best of what she had. I tell you that. For she's nothing. in the ice cream van, and she gives this guy a pint with a big frothy bit, and then she says, "Do you want a flake in that, love?" And the guy says, "Oh, tire." So she puts a flake in the top of his beer. And what was the beer? Boddington's. And what is that? Beer from Manchester, the cream of Manchester. So yeah, Jenny Jenny says That all explains that reference, that cultural reference to anybody who was not around in this country when... Well, I I hope that maybe there were some people that watched it and goes, I'm sure I've heard that line somewhere. Well, it's very relevant to to Manchester. Then we see Stephen in the Guinness later, looking at Leo's phone, trying to guess... wonky angle. Trying to guess what the password is. I thought he was going to do it. I thought he was going to do the classic Corey thing of getting it wrong twice and then on the third time he goes, of course. Of course. It's it's one, 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 because he's so boring. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) Hang on. When was Witherfield County founded? 1888. Yes, I got it. No, it's none of those. Weatherfield Rugby Club, more like in Leo's case. What could it be? What could it be? It's like some kind of boring mathematical thing, like pi or something. Well, you can make Leo on your calculator if you turn it upside down and type in 037 or something, can't you? So maybe it's something like that. No, he's like, (laughs) I know what it was. 8008. That dog. He doesn't get the password. He doesn't get it. Angie comes out, sees him and says, oh, you look really shifty. Everybody this week is like, hey, you look like you murdered someone. Oh, Leo's probably dead. They said this about five times and every single time Stephen's there going, oh my God. Yeah, he needs to he needs to work on his um his poker face, yeah. doesn't he? Meanwhile, Jenny tells Daisy and Glenda that she's gonna hide away for a few days and Glenda says, Great, because I wanna do Monday's quiz night. I'm looking forward to that. I was worried for gender uh, for gender? <laughs> Glenda <I was> worried. <laughs> at some point this <laughs> Do you know what they should have done what? when when she her, on her first evening? <laughs> a Glenda reveal party. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the quiz night could be called. Yes. Maybe when she becomes a stripper, we could call it yeah. Glenda Reveal. No, because I was thinking, I even wrote in the notes earlier this week, like, where's Glenda during all this stuff that was going on? Um, and it's like, has she, has she got a job here? Because she's been strangely absent since her, because she's, she came into the into the show in like August, wasn't it? And she's been very, very sparsely used since then. And I thought it was fine. She'd get the job in the robes a few weeks ago. We'll start to see her more now. And no, we didn't. It's just been Jenny and uh, Daisy mostly. But it looks like Glenda is here to stay at the pub. And I'm very, very pleased with this fact. Um, I know that uh, there, there have been a few people, it seems, online that are taken against her, but I'm still quite enjoying her so far. I'm saying, giving it, let's give her a chance. And I think that putting her in charge of the quiz night on Monday could be an awful lot of fun. I hope we get to see it. So, anyway, discussion point, Gemma. Stephen's a murderer. What do we think? I can't believe this has all happened this week. I know. It's been a big one, hasn't it? I feel it? like I've known, well, I've known, we've known this since August, mm. that this was going to happen. 
I was like, I just remember back being so thrilled <laughs> finding out that when, Stephen when was going to be a killer. When we found out that this was going to be... By like, reading it so, off a piece right, of paper. The story, the story is, if you didn't listen to the bonus episode, that, that we knew there was going to be a night shoot and there was going to be a body that was being moved and we didn't know who the body was or who had killed the person that was dead. And we assumed it was something to do we with the Ardy and Kelly story. or Kelly or something yeah. like that, so... When we found out that it was Leo, and then you found out that it was Stephen who was the one who was moving the body, we were like, well, this is a turn up for the books. And I said what I was, I was more thrilled about, the fact that Stephen Reed has turned into a murderer, or the yeah. fact his first victim was Leo. Yeah. Like, so, thanks for taking one for the team, Leo, honestly. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, so ever since then, I've just been watching Stephen like the I'm this the most thrilling thing, the most amazing character. I because know we do like uh, the, the. I know that it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm not going to keep making disclaimers because we love this kind of storyline and um, just just the fact that it's Stephen Reed, he really feels like a um, Stape level John Stape level kind of bumbling. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to be. He's kind of a mixture, isn't he, of a of a Richard Hillman and a and a John State, where he's hapless. But mind you, actually, Richard Hillman was pretty hapless a lot of the well, time. Well, yeah, he was. I mean, Richard's first victim, and and we're kind of taking massive leaps here and saying that Stephen may kill again. I mean, there's no there's no, no clue about that already. That... We're just going on what well, this seems because to happen really, on soaps. He can't like, kill once. Um, Gary has only killed one person. Well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Richard Hillman's first victim was Dougie Ferguson, wasn't it? Remember how he died, kind of accidentally. It was, it was more that, that Richard left him to die, wasn't it? But that was falling over the banister yeah. and then plonking down onto the bottom of the floor at the Ryden. So it's, it, 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 there are definite parallels between Leo's death and, and Dougie's. Mind you, and what? if you think about... Um, who killed Tina? Um, Rob. Rob only killed Tina. He didn't kill anybody else. He didn't. So yeah. So the sort of potential here we have is either um, a kind of a Rob Donovan story where it's just one murder, or a Richard Hillman story where where it. <laughs> I mean, we have only just had a serial killer on Coronation Street a few years ago. Pat Phelan left that what was, four years ago? That's maybe? too long ago for me. It's that's not. It's really really close actually. But I've been saying that Coronation Street hasn't had a decent villain for for a while. Not really since Jeff. There've been the odd grey hoodie mm-hmm. here and there, hasn't there? But that it, for those of us who really enjoy there being a, a proper murderous villain to get you to sink your teeth into it, it's been a bit of a dry period and not i think normally i would say no it is too soon but the characters that they've got mixed up in this i'm like oh yeah let's just go for it because, let's go to town like you know it is a bit of a joke that leo was boring and honestly <laughs> Stephen was shaping up to be a bit this is I think this is one of the reasons why I like it so much yeah, exactly. that Stephen was just a bit of a blah character he was fairly bland and Ian McLeod has said that he was a blank slate and it's like well, we could write him as however we want and I don't think it's it's not out of character or unrealistic for him to do this because we we don't know much about what his character is or I mean you know whatever was established 20 years ago has kind of been forgotten a bit but even then he was only in for a month or two so why not I think he's definitely got it in him but like you said it wasn't you know you didn't plot to kill him it was an it was an accident yeah, there was no premeditation here at all. No. But this is kind of like the, the levels of escalation that Coronation Street murderers 
Kind of... It totally was. And, and if uh, we are going down the serial killer route, then it, there's definitely, like I said, Richard Hillman vibes. Because Dougie and Leo, there's parallels there. And uh, uh, sorry, Gabrielle's got to be next, hasn't she? Gabrielle's got kill a again. target on her forehead. <laughs> she, she has. And obviously, we've ever since Gabrielle's been on screen, that's been since we've seen Stephen yeah. killing Leo. And literally, the moment that she walked on screen, I'm like, you're Bye. dead meat, missus. Sorry. She Bye. has been screaming Patricia Hillman at me ever since since she first appeared so I feel kind of sorry for her because that's going to be very handy she's going to come back in a month isn't she she said to, um, if um, Stephen hasn't paid this moolah by then I think that you know come come Halloween or you know mid-November um, there could be another victim here but then if it follows the Richard Hillman trajectory third victim's got to be a beloved character which is again Maxine was an accident wasn't it he went he went to kill Emily Bishop and Maxine was just collateral damage. So I wonder whether it, there is going to be the escalation because the thing about having a serial killer storyline on Coronation Street, you can't just kill little side characters. Nobody really cares about Leo. It's like, well, like, like Daisy said, this is the most interesting thing that Leo's ever done. Unbeknownst to her, she's dead. But this he's is dead. the most... He's dead, sorry. This is the most uh, interesting, interesting thing, he's, thing he's done. Patricia, not Patricia, Gabrielle, if she gets... Just call her Patricia. Yeah, exactly. She might. But who cares about that? They've got to sacrifice a beloved character to make this a really decent serial killer storyline. I know who should go. Who? Beloved Elaine. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we've talked about this earlier. Off. We speculated because he definitely gave her the glad eye, didn't, didn't he? Yeah. She fancies him. And that really didn't go anywhere, which makes me, now looking back on it, think, you know, were they just sowing the seeds here of having a link between between him and, and Elaine? But even then, she's... It, I don't she, think she, it, I, Gabrielle, and Leo are both like. Oh. I don't know whether they'd bother to kill off Elaine in that way, and also if they did, which family would be embroiled in this sort of mystery, the, this murder mystery? Would it be the Nazirs or would it be the the Metcalves? Metcalves. I don't. I don't know. Um, either either family could could involve themselves, and I don't think either of those are very. I'm, I'm not me. interested in the in the Nazirs <laughs> getting involved be, in it. The what, thing. The, the do thing. Do you think they kill Audrey? No, he's not going to kill Audrey. That's the thing. Oh, I tell you, who's I tell you, he's got a victim oh. written on on the on their back. Our our young Lily. Now, she's a budding footballer. She's got everything to live for now. They've they've only developed her character so they can bump her off. I I do wonder. I do wonder who it's going to be. I tell you what. Who... I tell you what. If they killed off Lily, I'd be straight onto Ofcom. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, feeling. I, mean, I suppose Michael... the most beloved. Yeah, I mean, Michael was a bit. Well, he was played by a special guest star. He was, but he was still a fairly small character, even though he had been on the show a few years. Same with Luke. He was fairly minor. Yeah, I don't know whether Phelan killed anyone that was like... mega. No. But I I hope that if... We're just completely... There has been no confirmation whatsoever. But um, lots of people we've seen on the internet are thinking that Stephen will surely kill again. And I think they kind of need to because... It's like 2022 a Coronation Once you get Street. Taste for blood. 2022 Coronation Street hasn't been the most vintage of years, has it? And especially since, um, you know, the the I would say so far that the biggest story has been the Abby Imran Toya stuff. But even that, that's not been completely without fault, has it? Um, and it, and it doesn't feel like 
the big stories that Coronation Street has this year. So I, I think that they really need to run with this and, and the people that are calling for this storyline to be brought to a swift end, I'd say, no, I think there's an awful lot of um, mileage that can be got out of Stephen. Yeah, but it's not necessarily mileage they want, is it? No, I know, I know. But, and we've spoken before, the thing is, I've spoken, we've spoken before on the show about um, what what is Corrie, you know, what what is a Corrie story... Can you accuse Coronation Street of being too dark or having too many murderous plot lines? And again, we'll say and remind everybody that one of the first early storylines was about um, Elsie Tanner's husband, Steve Tanner, being murdered by Joe Zanelli, who then killed himself at Christmas in front of Stan Ogden (laughs) and Minnie Caldwell. So it goes all the way back to the very beginning of Coronation Street. This is not unprecedented whatsoever in the history of Coronation Street. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to have to accept that now, you're just going to have to accept it's part of Coronation Street, the same as all the other things that you might like or not like about it. It's just part of the show. Yeah. I was, when we heard that Stephen Reed was coming back in the summer, I thought it'd be another fleeting appearance. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of nice. We don't need him back for long. But now I'm like, keep this going. I think that, I mean, it, I, I'm kind of predicting the trajectory of this now. Is is it going to keep going until um, Britain's Got Talent Week in in May next year? Or? May? Well, yeah, it could. If if he is no, going, no, I'm to... saying it may. Yeah, <laughs> it may do. <laughs> if he's going to kill multiple times, it, I it will could, kill again. It could be, you know, Super Soak Week next year that he's unveiled, Are or later. Kidding? I mean, Pat Phelan certainly went really? on for quite a few. See, I I'm thinking know. here like Christmas. I'm thinking. That no. nice Christmas murder. And I then think it would be fairly foolish get... to try and wrap this one up quickly. If I was oh. Ian McLeod, I'd think I've got something that could, could be quite interesting here. And I think that, you know, um, Stephen Reed character doesn't have quite the charm, charisma, interest of as Pat Phelan or Richard Hillman yet. But but who's, who's to say? I love him. I, I do... love Stephen. And can I also just say, we did, like I said, we saw this being filmed and... Um, Todd Boyce, who plays Stephen Reed, is actually physically quite imposing and mm. really quite menacing. And because he was kind of at one point, he sort of walked around um, in between, sort of uh, like for a little break. And I, I kind of like he kind of walked past me, and we, it was just me and him. And he came in through the the factory doors, and I was standing there. I was like. Oh, hello. And I was like, should I curtsy? I don't know. Will he kill me? But he was like really he was taking tall. It very seriously. He's really tall and he's got this really kind of menacing presence when when he wants when he's to. In character, A bit like yeah. what I was saying about Jimmy Harkishan as Dev. Mm. You know, mm. these these men are actually really quite big yeah. in um physically and uh definitely think he could push me in a bit <laughs> yeah oh god absolutely yes because when and i also remember i just want to say something that wound me up somebody what? on twitter was saying oh yeah right oh he would never be able to push that bin over he did he actually pushed that bin over in real life multiple times multiple times and you know so just forget <laughs> that he does all his own stunts okay um so when 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 the filming was going on when he wasn't filming there's a little mini green room for them isn't there where um so inside rita's the... flatters well, yeah, but also inside, can I just say, inside yeah. the factory is just, um, it's like just full of crap. It's a shell. Well, there's bits and bobs of Dr. Dr. Gaddis's office yeah. is inside the factory, yeah. but that was kind no, of No, not probably, pieces. yeah, yeah, all just random bits. Yeah, but, but, when, but we also saw there were like all the, you know, the, the paramedic and, and the costume lady that you know, were all watching. The monitors were The monitors there, yeah. of the scene in there. But yeah, Todd, his little green room is if you go out the underworld, 
um, turn right to where, you know, where the big, um, the, the, the garagey bit is, where Rita's supposed to store her papers, and to the left of that, you've got the door to Rita's flat. If you go in there, downstairs, it was the little, it was the little green room for, for Todd, and then the runners, every so often, had to that. go and get him. I didn't go inside, I, didn't, I was like, oh, she, could I go inside, could I say hello? Say good I, I was doing a podcast, now I was a picture, please, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, so that's where he was uh, during there. But I know, if we was... were older, we should have got a picture of him with, I know. Um, with the um, th- dummy. Yes, you're posing with a dummy. That dummy was. Well, we can't get back when I was watching the scene, like I couldn't. I was saying this to you earlier. I couldn't picture it as Leo in my head. It's like he's dragging a dummy. He's dragging a dummy, and that's part of the you know the problem of seeing it being filmed live. And I regret not one second of seeing this film because they, we weren't always automatically like going to go to this night shoot, were we? Christmas. The idea was that we would see the, the Gary and Maria scenes filmed inside, which come to later, and then kind of tootle off home. But uh, Matt said, oh, you, know, you can stay for the night shoot if well, you we, want. And they were like, well, yes, we, please, original, even though there's mega spoilers. The original reason we weren't supposed to go is because there were such huge spoilers. But as we said... If you listen to the bonus podcast, we found out through various means um, what the, what exactly what was, was going, going on, happen. and at that point there was nothing really that could have been spoiled. No, I say. we were so lucky to get in on that day because what I think when day. you look back to what are going to be the most memorable scenes yeah. of the year on Coronation That's Street, definitely... that one that we saw, that is going to be up there. That's going to be on yeah. the clip shows. Love honestly. it or hate it, that was yeah and. And it was, like, it was really... edited really well, and it's, uh, Todd took a very long time dragging this body, didn't he? And yeah. so it was interesting to see that how Matt cut it down to time, and there were like little jumps, weren't there, as he was taking yeah. it into the body. But yeah, like I was saying, I was when I was watching, it was like just thinking, oh, it's a dummy, it's a dummy, and, and even like there's, there was a shot underneath the van. You can tell how you, excited you can... we are by the how fast it's I know. Talking. There's a shot from underneath the van where you can see that. Stephen's legs and then the body is in front of them and like you can see the hair of the dummy and it's like that doesn't look anything like Leo but it's just because I know uh, and when he's dragging this no, well, I... hulking body into the van I'm like I know that no, that's a dummy I know you say that but me personally I I can watch it and go yep it's t- totally I yeah. buy everything here I, I absolutely couldn't I, I was I could not think that that's not a dummy but I didn't I like I said I've got no regrets about seeing this it was so much fun and we if people were wondering because I can't remember whether we said on the other podcast where we were standing we were um just to the right of the factory weren't we so if you can picture the scene where the bin is and then the um the factory's behind the bin and then to the right of the bin there's some gates we were just kind of right by those gates weren't we so we but there's one shot of Stephen where you can see the other bin and then he's there on the other side. Yeah. We, we were right behind that cameraman. So we yeah, were, we were literally we right were like behind a cameraman. Three, four metres away from Stephen as he was pushing the bin over. We were Great. like, you could almost hear us breathing. It was just really, really fun. I, I'm so, so chuffed that we got to see that. Um, yeah. And, 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 and it was it was a brilliant scene and it wasn't the only great scene on this because you know that like you said earlier that flashback scene on Wednesday masterfully that. done I loved it that and was probably my favourite shot I've ever seen in Coronation the, Street and the there's slow been some really mo body ones. going over the the gantry with the two Stevens brilliant like um uh, like some of the stuff with Jeff was was really great and imaginative and um mm. uh, really I can't think of another word than imaginative, but this definitely takes a biscuit for me because I just thought it was 
Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the, the burning scene as well was... Um, it was dark it's and really, brooding. It's and... impossible for me to watch this storyline without just being emotionally invested in it from like this really bizarre maternal kind of perspective. Like, I, I helped. I helped create this. It was my <laughs> karma that that oozed through the scenes. You know what I mean? I feel like really emotionally invested in this. Yeah. Because I saw it being filmed. <laughs> Do you wish that we had gone to see the burning scene? Only, only because then we could say we've seen every sort of scene that you could see. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, night we haven't shoot, been on location. Night yet. shoot, street, studio shoot, street shoot, and yeah, and you then... just completed everything in a weird order. Is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Sorry, but we were just like so tired because it was yeah, it was just before midnight because we when we left go, the studio. We didn't have a car, the and they were like, I don't know if you could fit in the minibus. No, I thought they said we probably well, could fit in it. I don't. I know, know, but that's not saying please come with us in a minibus, is it? We we kind of me and you put our heads together and we thought no, we're really really tired. But and also at this point, it was really fascinating, and we really did enjoy watching this. But this scene, you will not believe how long it took to it get a, this scene yeah. done. And there were points at which we were just wandering around all over the place. I was chatting to the wardrobe lady. I was talking to the the um, the second runner, mm. assistant runner. I was we, I was talking to the the paramedic guy. I was having like really in depth chats with the with the cameraman, and we talked to the steady cam guy. Like there was so it was many, a good two hours. It was wasn't very it? long. Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, well. I think I've seen filming. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, very, very fun. Um, I was interested this week in seeing the um, the actual scene of on the gantry as well because Matt had showed us a, like a sneak preview of this scene on his iPad when we were yeah. having tea with him, hadn't yeah. we? But I, I kind of was half watching. He's like, do you, do you want to see this? Do you want to? And you were like, yeah, 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 show us anything. And I was kind of half watching. But I didn't realise until the episode aired that it was the knock on the head that killed Leo. I thought that he just goes over and he falls a great you... distance and falls in the bin. But I was but I was also thinking, that's not very far. And he has a quite a soft landing. So I'm glad they made it. Why do you to me, think it's very, it's very bashed his head. clear that he died from hitting his head? Well, because there's the blood coming out of the ear, isn't there? He didn't. He did not die from that fall. It's not that high. And, and no, like I, I say, know. it's a soft landing in the bin. I know, but it does, it does make me... I, I don't think it, I don't think it well, was but... conclusive, and I honestly I think um, we we know that he's dug this grave because the script says that's what happened, but I don't know how obvious it is in the show. But he's you know the idea is that he's buried the buried Leo on this kind of wasteland. Mm. So, and it really I mean if you actually go back and you know that it's the grave that you're looking at, it just looks obviously like a big old grave. So if somebody's going, oh, where's Leo? I think he's dead. Oh, look, there's a grave. Should we dig that up? Mm. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering whether when they find Leo's body, inevitably, they will go, oh, no. Looks like he died of suffocation. If only the person who killed him had known. He actually wasn't dead. He was <laughs> buried alive. I think, I mean, they had enough shots of his very dead looking eyes didn't they Michael which were brilliant if, I loved that can when I just they say if medical professionals can get people buried alive I think that blimmin Stephen Reed of St 
St. Reed's clothing, <laughs> Milan slash Toronto is not necessarily going to be able to know whether Leo is dead or alive. Well, you... I mean, to be honest, a lot of the time, I thought he was dead anyway and he was still walking around. <laughs> you did say that this is like Romeo and Juliet earlier with the gantry, wasn't it? And, That's you true. know, there were stories of, there were characters there that you didn't know whether they were dead or not. Well, they kept so waking they... up and going, oh no, oh, I'm oh, okay I just killed myself. Well, people online, I don't think they could believe that he was dead because I saw lots of people going, oh, I thought he was going to, like, Stephen was going to open the bin and Leo wouldn't be there. Or, oh, I thought that, that he would spring alive once he was in the van or something. And I was thinking, no, I'm I'm pretty sure he... Well, like, we, we knew that he was dead. We were we told knew that he, he was dead. dead. Because in the script it said, um, uh, Leo, body, Joe Frost not needed. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> but when we went to Coronation Street set on the Friday, so two days later, when um, when we were waiting in the entrance hall there, we did see Joe Frost, didn't we? Because oh, no. he came back to film do some... some um, do some pickups. So, I don't know what from, but that was his last day and he'd just come back off holiday yeah. and he was talking to the lady behind the welcome desk and he's like, oh, this is my last so day today. Yeah. Um, I also I saw it. on the Coronation Street um, Reddit, uh, subreddit, they were saying... The Conversation Street podcast said that they saw Joe Frost when mm. they went to go and visit the set on this date. So I don't see how he's left. And I was like, <laughs> I know. I did see them talking about SSR, but we couldn't say anything. This has been like mega, mega secret that we've, I, we've, I've not told anybody about this um, because we weren't allowed to, obviously. But it's been very. It's been very cool knowing things, but I, I wouldn't want to know things all the time. No. I mean, we're, we're spoiler free for a reason. I know that lots of listeners like to be spoiler free, um, but it's it's always been kind of my my way. Don't find out what's going to happen in Corrie because it'll spoil it. But I think you know for for these few bits, we went at a very good time where we got some juicy oh, goss, and man. it has been quite nice <laughs> knowing a few things but 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 the really I, annoying go, okay go on. i was just gonna say there are plenty of scenes we've seen recently on the screen that we could have gone to see filmed that you would have forgotten immediately after you'd seen them yeah but you're not gonna forget this one no what i was also gonna say i'm so excited about this what really annoyed me nothing to do with coronation street the bloody liverpool echo hope you're listening to this leaked this about a month ago didn't they yeah when ian mcleod's interviews came out at the beginning of september the liverpool echo put um their article online which was the interview with todd boyce now the day that we um were at the coronation street studios on the wednesday that morning they've been doing some zoom interviews with press we've been invited to this we, we probably said this on the podcast i can't remember so they interviewed todd they interviewed uh, georgia taylor they interviewed martin hancock they interviewed Ian McLeod and Ian's interview was published at the beginning of September and all the other ones are like embargo whatever dates Todd's interview was embargoed for nine o'clock this week but the Liverpool Echo said no we're going to publish it in September and the article was online for a couple of hours and then it was pulled so somebody had contacted them and like what the hell are you doing publishing this this is a massive spoiler we're not going we don't want to reveal this unfortunately then some um, people on the Digital Spy Soaps forum got hold of this information so there was a big old thread there where people were openly discussing that, that Stephen was going to kill Leo and drop him in a bin. So I was like mega, mega disappointed that this secret got out. Not just because it was like me saying, this is my secret and nobody else is allowed to know this. But I just feel so bad for Coronation Street because they don't 
often keep they don't often try to keep huge things like this secrets do they they like to tease you with everything big that's going to happen to get you to watch so the fact that they tried desperately to to keep this a secret until the night but they failed because Liverpool Echo couldn't stick to an embargo really kind of got my goat and if I was working in the Coronation Street publicity department I would have been seething at that so um, don't let them onto the Zoom calls again Coronation Street please you can't trust them I just felt really bad for whoever it was that had done this because obviously didn't do it on purpose I know I know it was an accidental one poor kids now just been blacklisted from soaps forever (laughs) which of course will have a terrible impact on their career in journalism but yeah what a bloody mistake that was yeah yeah but i i it doesn't feel i don't think that it got very much further than that i certainly didn't see anyone discussing i don't think i saw anyone discussing it on reddit um uh, i don't look at very many of the curry forums or anything online because i they're all sort of um got spoilers, spoilers all over the place but yeah i think it was fairly well contained so hopefully for a large portion of the audience it, it was, was kept surprised. a secret yeah. although the previews for this week were like on when for Wednesday's episode, oh no, I think for Mondays it might have said Stephen confronts Leo on the balcony. What will happen? And then Wednesdays it's like, oh, Jenny's wondering where Leo is. So they, I'm sure some people kind of put two and two together and said, oh, I wonder if Stephen kills Leo. But oh, it was it was really really brilliant. And the hundredth on-screen death on Coronation Street as well. Woo! I wonder whether the people who wrote the episode knew that when they were when they were uh, planning it. Probably not. Matt Hilton didn't even know. I told him that the other day. But um, great, great stuff. And all of the um, the tension that followed the death on Monday's episode going into Wednesday was brilliant. Because usually when they have something huge like that happen, like a big murder or whatever, it's at the end of the episode, isn't it? Or towards the end. Yeah. And, and that's the cliffhanger. And you have to say, ah, you have to wait another two days to find out what's going to happen next. But with this, we got the murder with still half an hour to spare. So we got to, to revel in the panic washing over Stephen for the rest of the episode. And those scenes in the bistro where he's listening in to Jenny and Rita and Daisy wondering where Leo is and Stephen's just there at the bar going, bloody hell, I know exactly where he is, he's dead in a bin. The bit where he goes, uh, he's leaving the bistro and Jenny comes out and's like, oh, you, what have you been up to? Um, and he's like, oh. and, the, and then when he gets to the factory and Carla's there with the police, that, I love that. I love the scene inside the factory when he thinks that, well, the, the police have, must have found the body by now. Surely they're going to they're going to notice this. I loved it all. It was it was so well done. So I was, yeah, so, so tense. Oh, I, I, I can't sing its praises enough. I thought it was just absolutely brilliant. Um, and and. Whoever's idea it was to have Sarah Louise of all people come in and witter in Stephen's ear, <laughs> while well, he's there just having this meltdown and she doesn't realise at all, just to just to raise that tension a little bit more. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But um, thank you, Sarah Louise. You can shut up now. Oh, you know what? Adam never listens to me. I don't understand why. Why so, I to talk to him about stuff? And he's just like, shut up, Sarah. And I'm like, well, I don't want to just want to say what I want to say. And he's like, no, I don't want to hear you. And I'm like, well, I remember that time that you had that. I, if I'm Steve, I'm going to be murdering you right now. And then he fell off the side of the thing. And I was like, oh, no, I don't. And he was like, oh, I'm Can we actually. have just a moment of silence? No. What for Leah. <laughs> I wa- was it worth keeping him around for a year out, he, he outstayed his welcome after That's his first rude. couple of episodes, didn't he? Was it worth keeping him just so that we could have this? And I'm kind of thinking, yes. And all through the year, we were like, 
why is Jenny still going out with Leo? Why have they put those two together? What on earth? What, he's, he's nothing. And then he goes away for months on end and then he comes back and he's just a useless character. There's a scene that often crops to my mind um, from Adam's Family Values where the little blonde girl and Wednesday are queuing up to go and do life-saving on the side of the lake. And they have um, they have the, the person who's drowning and the person who has to save them. <laughs> and the girl goes, I'll be the victim. And Wednesday Adam goes, all your life. <laughs> and that's Leo. That's Leo, is it? The, the perennial victim. Well, oh well, Jenny. Um, two bereavements in, in less than a year. <laughs> You must be a soap character. Yeah, I I kind of feel bad for her in a sense. Um, I just and obviously I love her... I love Jenny and I don't like her upset, but I just don't um... want her to think it's her fault. I wanted to know he was murdered immediately because it's bad for her self esteem to think she was dumped. Yeah, I know, but there's just the, the line that they had with Daisy saying he was a bit boring though. That was great. <laughs> I can't remember who wrote that. Was. Was that the was well, that the Jan McVary did that Jonathan one? Harvey did the um, Wednesdays. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't that was it? So must have been Jonathan. It was just like, yes, you are speaking on behalf of all the viewers. <laughs> it was totally boring. Well, he could, I loved you know, it. Joe Frost did it. Did a really great job with what he was given, but the part of Leo was never supposed to, you know, win awards for best newcomer. No, no. Um, I, I just wonder, like what's going to happen next for Jenny and is she going to get over him just as quickly well, as she seemingly is, got over Johnny? When are we going to... We haven't spoken at all together even about this. What's the future for Leo's... Like, is Leo just... Is everyone just going to forget he ever existed? Because it feels a bit like it could go that way. Are they going to start being suspicious? Is Teddy going to go to the police and say, my my, my son's missing? Well, I think he is. I mean... Je- Jenny and Daisy have been trying to contact him, but to no avail. Stephen's got his phone, obviously, with its so the, um, ever ever lasting battery on. If if the police can track his phone, well, yeah, that's a really good point actually, because Teddy says, "Well, I'm going to wait to get." I assume my son is going to phone me when he gets to Canada. So next week, if he's not heard back from him, he's going to like, I don't know what's going on with my son at the moment. If he knew yeah. where, where where, in Canada, rather than just nebulous somewhere over there, he's supposed to be going Canada to. Is it's quite small. <laughs> it's quite, yeah, small it's and compact. easy to narrow it down. No, I mean, he, he's going to know where Stephen is, so he should be able to contact someone and the, like wherever Leo was going to work. And then, well, I know he's not turned up. So if the police mm-hmm. then do try and track Leo's well, police, phone and well, find out, you know, oh, then, it's in Stephen's pocket. The first thing, Teddy will go, right, so-and-so company, what can you get? I want to talk to my son, I haven't heard from him. They'll say, he never arrived. Then Teddy will go, okay, I'll contact the police. The police will then contact the passport office or the, the airport and say, did this guy ever mm. turn up for his flight? And they'll say, no, he, he's not registered as turning up. But then they'll say, where was he last seen? Who was the last person who saw him? Well, it was it was Gabrielle, wasn't it? But, but that was a secret meeting. So Gabrielle... Oh, no, sorry, no, no, sorry. That was Gabrielle that saw Stephen. What am I talking about, idiot? Gabrielle um, didn't know he was there, but Steve, as Leo was watching... So yeah. on Monday he was around, wasn't he? When? Yeah. So he... the last person that wasn't, um, the last person that wasn't Stephen who saw Leo. I'm, I was probably it was probably oh it was it was it was Daisy and it was Daisy and Daniel, wasn't it, in the pub? That was when. That was when. I think. No. And and Teddy, it was it was all them in the Rovers there on Monday. 
I don't think they're going to be able to offer much in the. But they're gonna. But that will be the last place that anybody ever saw him was in Weatherfield, and they are not going to be able to say, like, for example, who who was the taxi firm that was booked to take him to the airport? They're going to say, well, no, he never turned up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Weatherfield is going to be the last place anybody saw Leo alive, Mm. and then they're going to have to trace it back from them. And if Gabrielle had any inkling that he was there, which she probably no, no, she didn't. She didn't know he was there. Hmm. Very interesting. I I'm wondering now, and I, this is my other hope. Like, I guess is Jenny gonna start developing feelings for Stephen again because she did kind of give him a, a forgiveness string, didn't she? A forgiveness string. That sounds a bit rude. Uh, earlier today. Well, and it would. It just feels. You know, it really ticks all my boxes to definitely... have the landlady going out with the serial killer. That's how you make a serial killer story different. You literally put him in bed with the landlady of the Rover's return. And this is the long-awaited Jenny story because we've been saying for years what's going on in the Rovers. Put Jenny there, but don't give her any stories there. I just got a really excited, tingly feeling that this could be Jenny's mega story. Stephen Reed by her side in the Rovers quietly bumping off Gabrielle Reed and uh, Elaine Jones and somebody else I that really excites me can I just say the last person who saw Leo alive was the estate agent oh which is really intriguing yes, because it was. he because that links him to yes, Stephen immediately Daniel. yeah so maybe your long-term uh, storyline with Stephen is going to come to an end pretty soon because there's just a really concrete link between the two where Leo phoned up and said hello I'm Leo didn't he I'm Leo Stephen's I don't know whether he gave his name. But, but he the, certainly used his own is, number. And he used his own face. So if they yeah. put on the on the news, have you seen this man? Then a state agent would be like, yeah, I was and having a And then the drink police will him. be like, Stephen, why are you selling Audrey's house? Why are you getting Leo to, to be your yeah, assistant? And he'll be true, like, actually. oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, God. I, I, the walls could be closing in on him quick, but yep. I do not want that. I don't want that. I want him to murder more. Yes, and then Gail can have been married to a serial killer and be related to a serial killer at the same time. She just can't catch a break, can she? Oh, I'm really sorry for all the people that don't like this sort of thing on Coronation Street, but we really do. And... I need something to get me excited and bubbling about Coronation Street again, and, and this could be it. So um, long may it continue. I think I'm. Every time this story came on screen this week, it was like, yes, thank you very much. You know, when you get these times where it's like, I don't care about any other stories. Show me this one. So that's enough. Speaking about of other that stories. One. Speaking of other stories, other things did happen on Coronation Street this week, including the the um the glorious arrival of one Dee Dee Bailey, which we have been um anticipating for the last three odd years or so on on the podcast we get to see her finally turn up this week but um we have to get through mondays first before her um, arrival on wednesday and on monday's episode james sad down in the dumps about not being a footballer anymore what's he gonna do now can't do football he's got nothing to go for him as he says don't give up son you're still part of the club after all I don't understand or care to try and understand the legalities about, you know, is he on the club, is he not in the club, whatever. She says, look, you could still use their time, you could still use his facilities, um, get yourself fit again, get get, get um, 
you know, built up in the in the in the gym or whatever. I don't remember. Then <laughs> kick him to the curb and find another club. And he's like, oh, what's the point in that? I'm never going to be as good a player as I as I used to be. I'm I had my my knee injury and now I've got my heart in my heart defect or whatever. Oh, so he's a, he's a bit negative about himself really. And uh, then he heads over to the pub later and he's watching some some classic James Bailey clips. I don't know whether he heads over to the ITV Cora YouTube page for this, um, but uh, yeah, there's a couple of James Bailey moments there that he watches, and, uh, he, and Michael's there as well, and he, and he says, oh, that guy there, you know, that classic character, he's gone forever. Sarah comes over and says, oh, I'm glad to see you back on your feet, because by the way, you're Lily's favourite player. So there's a bit of character development for you this week. Lily likes football. Who'd have guessed? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I don't know why they picked that. With the, with, the with, the, with the actors who play uh, Liam and Jake and that lot just not available this week? Or it's all part of the... same girls can play football too. Exactly. It's like, guess what, everybody? Of course they can, but I don't know. Lily doesn't strike me as somebody who's really into football, but well, listen, what do I know? Well, women are pretty good at football, Michael. I know. I've seen them winning competitions that our male team cannot seem to crack. So have I, so have I. But anyway, so if she wants to, if she wants to. Maybe James that. Bailey's a I mean, it would have made sense if they'd it, said, just... if they'd thrown in some line about, you know, oh, she's always been, she's been football crazy ever since the Euros. But maybe they said, that like, <laughs> I don't, don't know. understand I don't football. Know. I didn't listen. Anyway, so we we'll then get a scene of the Bailey men together um, talking about James's future in the pub. Michael says, look, just take things easy for the moment. Stay on the team. See how you feel after a bit. And, and James is like, oh, I don't really know. Back at home, James wants to make a phone call to the pub. Uh, not to the pub, sorry, to the club. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he says, Aggie, bugger off. Um, I, I need to talk to my boss. And she's there sneaking around the corner, which is quite cool. But she says, look, whatever you decide, son, I'm proud of you. I, I really do have a lot of time for Aggie. I think that she's a very lovely mum. Um, and at the end of the episode, we find out the decision he has made. And yes, he has retired. He's made the decision. He's he's not staying with the club at all anymore. He's out of here. Club says, thank you very much for all your work. And we're paying the rest of your contract too. And the Baileys are all proud of him. And they have a lovely celebration at the end of the episode. However, things take a turn for the worse on Wednesday. Um... Aggie is... I love this scene where Aggie's got the um, the envelope. The, James yeah. has got some post, hasn't he? And she's holding it over the light and there's a, a really nicely framed shot of her trying to look through the envelope about what this the, this thing is inside. And um, it, But she can't do that for long because someone comes to the door and it is daughter Dee Dee Bailey. <gasps> oh yes, she Dee -dee. is here. She has arrived from America to, um, to rain fresh chaos on the street. But... Oh no, we get to find out just what sort of person she is because she has left all her stuff in the taxi and it's driven off. Yes, she is a bit of a bumbler, but a competent bumbler apparently because she's also a bit of a hotshot lawyer too. So she rushes outside, Shona offers to help her out. So um, Dee Dee and Shona now friends apparently. And um, it, it, kind of the problem sort of resolves itself because the taxi comes back and she gets her things back. So that was a bit of a drama for, for nothing for a little bit. Um, James is chuffed to see his sister when he gets home and um, then he opens the letter and it is a cheque from the club. But not the full amount that he was expected. In fact, we find out it's barely anything. This was another one of those episodes where they talk about nebulous amounts of cash, don't they? I've received a cheque for not enough. I'm going to make you an offer of 
a bit more. We've got no idea what these numbers are. I but... can't believe they've given me £5.56. Yeah, that's exactly, I wanted that's £22. I could, I could have pictured it a bit more. Did he help me? <laughs> so he's like, hang on a minute. They said they'd pay my whole contract off and they've only paid for the rest of the month or something like that. Anyway, Didi immediately gets on the phone to the club to arrange a meeting with um, this afternoon acting as James's solicitor. So they head over to the training ground and uh, James has a bit of a moment, doesn't he? He, he touches the hallowed ground of Weatherfield FC, has a bit of a, oh, I touched the grass. This is what could be my last time. Um, and then they go into the office, which is pretty cool. They had a nice little scene filmed at, I can't remember where the club is now, because it's the one that we went to see on the trip a few years ago, wasn't it? I thought they closed that now. I thought they closed that. Maybe that's why they were Maybe able to get still, in there. But anyway, it was actually filming. filmed in the office, so very much appreciated, unless they, um, it was a last, a last use of the volume wall to show a football pitch in the background. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I assume it was there. And the, and the boss is there saying, well, you know... If I lose a player, that also loses any future transfer revenue. So we can't... Don't understand what you're talking about. He says, because I've lost you, I'm not going to be able to sell you on to anybody else. Is this like when you have a car and you, you... You know when people buy a new car and then at the end of the thing, they're like, they sell their car back and then they get a new car? Is that what he's saying? He sa- he said It's like, right, so, it's like, so I've got to scrap my car, but I've also got to pay it back. That's... It's something... No, 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 he's just saying that it's like, no, rather think... than sell my car to someone else, I'm going to set no, my I car on fire got... and explode it and walk away from yeah, it looking I mean. cool. Yeah, So he says, well, I'm going to lose... I've lost money there. Um, your contract was uh, withdrawn on health grounds, and I actually think we've made a fairly fair offer here. And Didi's like, uh, no, hang on a minute, you didn't even get a second medical opinion, and according to this... Oh, it was all Blah, 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 crap. FIFA, something around I think around they were there. right. They said, no, we're not having any of that. In any case, James was in breach of his contract yeah. when he had his little whoopsie-daisy because he was playing for another team, which was, you know, it's true, but um, I think that was a little bit harsh. This because this was when he was doing that charity thing. But they're thing. absolutely right here because I think some people were talking about this on our Facebook group as well. Like, he wouldn't have been allowed to, to do anything like this because of how dangerous it was, and it literally killed him. So they weren't wrong. But James says it was just literally a charity thing though and yeah, but you and, didn't ask us, did and, you? and Dee Dee's like yeah and look you've got you've got it on your website uh, county member james uh, ch- charity match whatever and 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 she says well that sounds like tacit approval to me can i just me. ask a question about this you can try but it's a football question i don't know if the will be able to answer you so so they put on the website that he went to a charity event yeah. Did they mention he died? <laughs> I don't remember. It feels like bearing the lead. We should have screenshotted there. that a little bit. I don't know, but it they feels, it feels a bit, <laughs> a bit like something you would mention. Maybe it's, maybe it was tacit approval that he died. Yeah, <laughs> I, I give that as good well. Good job. Um, anyway, also she says with with him going that you're going to be lo- losing a load of money from deals because like you know he, he was sponsors him. Well, he, they said you know he was the first um, the first out footballer in the professional league. Um, and and they've made some deals based on this and that's all going to be gone so he's actually a really really valuable player to you I suggest (laughs) says well that means they're losing more money so they shouldn't give him any no that oh I don't know that's like saying oh yeah your cash cow's now gone because he buggered around and died on a football pitch you shouldn't have been on to give me more money and they're like no it doesn't work like that we've lost out on the money as well Whatever. Why should we pay you? She says, I think that this, 
here's a little bit of paper. I think would be a, 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 a more suitable offer from twenty six pounds seventy three. <laughs> Imagine if that's what it was. <laughs> and they look at each other like, can't give you more than twenty five. And, and she's then, like, we'll take it. And then she's like, turns to him and says, well, you're not David Beckham, are you, James? That's face. <laughs> and then she passes him a bit of paper and he opens it and it says, fee fifty pounds. <laughs> Anyway, so um, they they head off, and she's like, "I expect a response within twenty four hours." And then they go out and do a little ooh together outside yes. the door. So they go back to the cafe, and uh, this DD says, "I will waive your fee if you coach Lily because she's obviously been having words with new Bezzy mate Shona." The fact about... that they've both gone off to the cafe to celebrate their victorious uh, lambasting of these evil football people makes me think that whatever money they're going to get off them is not going to be that much. <laughs> this um, was a guy who was driving around in a sports car yeah, that's the, other, true. the other year worth yeah. tens of thousands of pounds. <laughs> I've got no idea how much James is worth. I'm I don't know anything about these little clubs and how much all their f- the footballers are worth, but really, really feels to me like... Even if he'd stayed there, I don't see what kind, you know, how much money is he really on? I don't know. And did he never, ever, ever, at any point, any of them, even Aggie and Ed, ever go, what are you going to do afterwards? Because, you know, you can't be a footballer. Mm. And, you know, once you're 40, (laughs) what are you going to do after that? And he's like, I don't know. (laughs) Did he not have a backup plan? Clearly not. It's because he's the looks of the Baileys, isn't he? He's not the brains. Yeah, he's going to do all the... the, the, um... Uh, the aftershave adverts on TV and everything, isn't he, I reckon? And, uh, the I don't the think match could... of the day commentator. I don't think he could sell me aftershave. <laughs> I wouldn't believe he. Anyway, so he, he, he gets convinced to give Lily this football training. She's dead keen. It all goes well. We don't get to see any of it, of course. But um, he goes home and he's like, oh, I had a jolly good time there coaching Lily how to kick a ball. And then he gets a phone call from the club and then saying, we are increasing your payout. Not saying how much, but we do know from James that it is beyond his wildest dreams. The way he so said maybe this, 40 quid. The way he said this made me think that J- James Bailey's wildest dreams is like, I had a dream last night that mum made me a fish finger sandwich and it tastes good. <laughs> this is even better than that. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, he, it's, they, they're offering me a payout beyond my wildest dreams. Now, what this reminded me of... What bloody, do you mean? What this reminded me of is that bloody Robbie Williams when he signed... Do you remember when he signed that massive record oh, deal yeah. for £80 million? And he comes out doing his press conference going, I'm rich, rich beyond my wildest dreams. And I bloody hate, hate Robbie Williams. I, know, I love how much Robbie you hate Williams, him. God, he's worse than... If you than, want to wind Michael up... worse than Leo. <laughs> tell him that you can't wait for his funeral when you're going to play Angels. <laughs> Robbie Williams... Oh man, he gets on my last nerve. So when he was there going, I'm mega rich, I've got 80 million pounds. Do you remember that pounds. cool song he did, Millennium? And he's at bloody number one again this What's week, he isn't he? He's going to put his like 15th album out or something. Oh, I love it. And he's and he's like got more number one albums than any... Oh, I love the fact, the thing about Robbie Williams that always makes me laugh is if you talk to Americans, they're like, oh what, that one hit wonder guy? Yeah. It's like, no, he's actually one guy incredibly here. famous. He has got some fairly good songs, but it's just his ego... Oh my gosh, he's the most... This isn't a Robbie Williams bashing podcast, I could go on about him. What if Robbie Williams listens to our podcast and he's really sad? Oh damn, we just lost a listener there. He's going to give us one star review. (laughs) Sorry, I'll take that one, I'll I'll take the the fall for that one. I'll take that. Um, (laughs) 
So anyway, that's what that reminded me of. But they all I, go. Can in... I just say for the record, I don't have a problem with Robbie Williams. In fact, I actually really like him because of how much it winds Michael up. Stop it! Don't don't ever play me a Robbie Williams song. Millennium. Don't ever introduce me to Robbie Williams. Oh, do you remember that I'll great song nice he did with um, what's her face? And afterwards we go into oh, Nicole Kidman, a yeah. Anyway, anyway, they all go and spend James's rich beyond his wildest dreams money in the Rovers because they're simple folk. Friday. He's got to keep that money. He's got to start putting it in his ISA and uh, <laughs> premium bonds. Friday. I don't know where he's been all this time, but as soon as there's a snifter of money, Ronnie Bailey appears. He's like, buy me a rum. Yeah. Buy, can you buy me a shirt that fits me better, please? Can you buy or, me a hat? I, need a new, I was going to say, I need a nice <laughs> new hat, says Ronnie. No, he's like, how you doing, James? Um, what, what are you going to do now anyway then? And uh, Ed's like, oh, he's pretty I feel sorry for this kid. He's like, he's literally, Wednesday, he gets paid crap load of money because he's just retired yeah. from his job and on Friday they're like when are you going to get a job I when know. are you going to get a job it's like actually I'm just going to watch Lorraine if you don't mind yeah look Sally Ann Matthews is on it this <laughs> week it's great want to see if she mentions me <laughs> <laughs> what would she say um yeah, if anyone needs harassing about get a job, it's bloody Toya Battersby, isn't it? Yeah, what a lazy bum. Yeah, she totally is. Anyway, James is like, I, I, I'm not going to work for you at the builder's yard, Dad. Sorry. I'm, I don't, don't, work don't the particularly bistro. fancy working at the bistro where you might be able to get me a but job. But sorry, James, those are the only jobs, unless you want to work in marketing in the factory. Yeah, you've got to work somewhere on the street, James. Did nobody explain this to you before you decided to resign from the club? And he's like, No, I thought the world was my oyster. No, no. this street is your oyster, <laughs> James, unless you got you from wanna... here to Rosamond Street. <laughs> I hear they need a new receptionist at the doctors if you, if you can handle sensitive information. Um, anyway, so um, DD, I know that's later. Um, he, 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 although he poo-pooed the idea of working at the bistro earlier, he decides, oh yeah, okay, it's the lesser of the two evils out of be this and being a builder, so I will go for that job after all. This job is beyond my wildest dreams. Yes. Um, so he goes over there and Debbie gives him an interview. Well, it's not really an interview, is it? Because he just says, I don't want to work he basically, here. Yeah. Before it even starts. He, yeah. He says, um, yeah, I don't, don't want to work here. Sorry for this, wasting your can time. Can I just say, James, this only works when you're interviewing for the job of being the new betrothed of the local fancy lady bonbon who you're trying to get, um, her niece in bed and you tell her that you don't care about her fancy horses <laughs> and her afternoon tea and then she gets all snooty but when you leave she goes I quite liked that kid <laughs> he was full of vim and vigour well Debbie's certainly not going to be knocking on his door I'm going to leave him 50 horses <laughs> and my full estate um, so he's, he's given up on that idea and he, he just he, he, he dumps Debbie to go and take Lily for another training session because she's she's such a character and um, they, he comes back later and's like oh I've, I've had a, I've had a revelation. I've had a Damascus moment here. I want to be a football coach for children. Hooray. Great. And then they all disappear off to the pub because Aggie's making a shepherd's pie. Which is a, was a, that was a couple of funny moments there, wasn't there? Well, did you, who was it that, that, that mimed eating pie, a shepherd's pie to Ed because he I didn't have a good Michael. enough excuse to get out of it? Anyway, um, he, at the end of the episode, he goes and gives Debbie some flowers to say sorry for wasting your time earlier and then he tells Ronnie about becoming a football coach and Ronnie's like good on you my son and um, and that's basically it there so um, Dee Dee now she does obviously make um, have quite an impact in the Stew storyline later so I guess we'll talk a bit more about her then but 
what did you think? Did she live up to your expectations? Could she possibly? The thing about it is that we already met her and we'd already seen a few, like, we'd seen Shanique uh, filming a scene. Yes, which still hasn't been been on yet. But um, I I knew a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit about how she acted in that scene and um, what she was wearing definitely gave me a very big clue that the character of Dee Dee was not who I thought she was going to be mm. because the sort of wardrobe that she wears is it feels it felt quite casual the stuff that she was wearing when we saw her filming and a very kind of modern like young woman kind of like uh like look not like professional mm. lawyer kind of I was I was expecting her from what they talked about her before to become in like being all yeah suited and booted hot shot lawyer very professional very slick yeah, and, and, like the beginning of a different... Hallmark movie where she goes back home and falls in love with a lumberjack. Yeah, exactly. Sort of character. But yeah, we 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 yeah we'd seen her, we'd met Shanique, we'd been told various things about her from you know people who'd met her on the cast, and, and Ali Sinclair well, talked a kn- bit about her. Yeah, as well, Ali so. told us what the character's kind of remit was and mm. and what she was going to be like, and so um, she definitely lived up to that um, expectation that I had of of her, but. The expectation of Dee Dee going all the way back to the very beginning of the Baileys and how much we've spoken about Dee Dee and what she was going to be like. She's absolutely nothing at all like we thought we no, she would be. And I don't know whether that was our fault and we made up a picture in our head or I can't I can't remember what they said about her. I mean, they said she was she was swanning up. They did say that I mean, she was in 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 LA, wasn't she, doing a hotshot lawyering, and she was kind of the. Um, the, the the well, Mike, Michael and James have said, "Oh, she's you know you're the favourite child or whatever yeah. because she's made something of her life." And and the, this version of Dee Dee still clearly has. She's clearly very competent at her job. Um, I thought it was a very good idea to have her get straight in there with the the, the football club story, as, as dodgy as some of the legalities might have been there for anybody who works in the legal profession. I didn't really notice, but having her come in and say, "Well, this is what I'm about." I, I well, come it was in. a great way to introduce the character, wasn't it? To yeah. sort of go, yeah, she's throw her into the thick good. of it to show that she 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 isn't as incompetent as she you might think that she could be. Why would be. you think she's incompetent? Well, no, just because you know because no, she's she's for, yeah she's a bit forgetful. No, that's not how she was represented at the beginning. What yeah. are you talking about? Well, no, you know, the, the the first thing that happened, the very first scene, she's like, oh bloody hell, I've left my left my suitcase in the taxi. There you think who is this hints. joker? No, oh, I don't know. And then there was a bit in today's episode where she knocks the glass of water over and I know, there have been bits and, and hints about her messing stuff up and undermining herself. But, I mean, I will say she's very she feels very approachable and very down to earth. Like, yeah. she's the sort of person I, I look at and I'm like, you know, when you see, when you saw Imran or, or Adam, you're like, oh, wow. You know, I, I know that they seem to know what they're doing whereas with a CDD I'm like I think I could be a lawyer yeah I know what you mean <laughs> but yeah they even though she was very um, effervescent and and seemingly a little bit bumbly I mean it was both Ali and or well, I said to us and Ian McLeod said in the interview it was just like she can she take down a team of opposing lawyers in court but then when the, the case is over you realise that she's got a skirt tucked into her knickers or something then so she's she's kind of that sort of person, and from what we saw of her this week, that definitely does go. But and although it doesn't match exactly what I thought about her, I like I it. Think, oh, I think I quite like I this direction say, they're taking her. With this her. quirk of she's she, like she's a competent lawyer by day, but she's also an idiot by night. 
like that will last about a month and then they'll forget and then she'll just do whatever the plot requires of her. I like that she's a she's a bit of rare sunshine. She's got a lot of energy. She's really smiling and happy. She? Yeah. And you can tell that Shanique is very excited to to be on Coronation Street. Yeah. And uh, you know, she, she her Instagram this week has been full of saying, Oh look, I'm on Coronation Street yeah. and people congratulating her for being it's on really everything, exciting. which was lovely. Yeah, it must be. So um yeah, I, I not not what I expected, but I, I'm I, I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment for the moment. I absolutely have I no... That... I mean, I, I, I sort of shed all my expectations of Dee Dee once we'd met Shanique and had been told what the character was going to be. Because mm. a lot of the stuff that we had spoken about, all oh, Dee Dee this and Dee Dee that, is all just made up in our heads. Mm. She, 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 felt, she felt like she definitely belonged with the family, even though she was an outsider. She definitely felt like... There was a good relationship there between between her and. Well, and she Michael also and James managed and, and to like parents. immediately bridge the the Bailey gap. Well, yeah, by she getting like involved. spoke to more people on the street <laughs> than the whole lot of them have ever done in the whole time they've been that there. That is very true. She's like, "Hello, are you Shona? Are you a Bailey?" Oh, and then, and then anyway. Aggie comes out, and goes, "Don't talk to them. <laughs> we We're only not have stories to talk to the other characters." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That was cool. So, I mean. It's, do you think it's a coincidence that she's been um, dropped into the programme mere months after we lost, uh, after we lost Imran? Is she going to be uh, up there with Adam? Can you imagine Adam working with her? She'd drive him bonkers, I, wouldn't I she? I think that I want that to happen. They are, yeah, actually, that's true. But then I, Sarah will come up and be like, Dee I just want to tell you about the time that me and my uncle were having dinner in the bean strain. It was really <laughs> oh, interesting. Go, yeah. And then Jenny was there and she was talking to Daisy and Daniel was there as well. And I was like, oh my God, Dan. The thing is, Dan... And then he was like, oh, distracted. And I was like, Uncle Stephen, I'm talking to you. And he was like, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm kind of busy. And I was like, Uncle Stephen, you know... We know that Adam's really struggling at the moment in the lawyers. They've, they've made insinuations over the past few months that he's got too many cases <laughs> building too up. too much paperwork. Yeah, and so even though Dee Dee is... Far, by far, you know, not the sort of person that he'd want to be working with. I think that he's got no choice. I mean, maybe he could have tried a bit harder because there might be other solicitors somewhere maybe in the Greater Manchester advertise. area. Yeah, possibly. But um, he yeah, can only this hire someone who lives on the street. This one's now showed up on his doorstep, so I would say he would be foolish to um, to, to refuse her services when clearly she is. Fairly competent. competent. So, but my question is, why is she here, and what 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 happened in America? I can't remember whether they said why did she just turn up out of nowhere. And how is long she just is she staying? Because I'm assuming that she's just here now forever. Oh yeah, me too. I, I've got absolutely no idea. But, but... Did, how much sense does it make to you that somebody can go from being a high flying lawyer in Los Angeles to coming to Weatherfield and mm. bunking up in their mum and dad's spare room in a terraced street? Well, it's a little bit like Glenda, really, isn't it? Who is, you know, they, they like their effervescent ladies as the on the uh, this year, don't they, for the new characters? But she also came in as a, like, well, what what are you doing here, Glenda? Yeah, you've had a bit of a fallout with somebody on the ships, but. They all come in and now, like, you won't believe the amazing life I've had before I came here, but now I'm perfectly content. Slum it in Weatherfield. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do quite like her, but we'll see. I think I like Glenda a little bit more at the beginning, but we will see how it goes. Well, we'll find do out you... at the end of the year when we give the A up. Award we will, because character. I think it's going to go to one of those two, I imagine. Well, who else is new? Not so many new other characters this year. 
Um, but yeah, we've got a few months to, you know, might be able to sneak somebody else in. Um, do you think that James made the right decision to retire from the club? Oh God, yeah, no, I don't care. (laughs) I I did appreciate whatever he does. I did think it was nice to see the smiles on his faces afterwards. I like that. The smiles on his faces. The smile on his uh, on on the Bailey's faces. Why did he want to be a footballer in the first place? I feel like there's been. I don't feel like he's had any emotional reaction to the fact that he he is like there's no there's been no financial fallout either. He hasn't he hasn't got any long term plans. He hasn't said, Oh no, my life goal was this, that and that or No you know, I, I mean, presumably he was on quite a lot of money because he was able to buy the sport car or look at the sports car. So we're talking, you know, Oh, you know, tens of thousands of pounds more than the average wage, surely, because most people can't afford a sports car. Mind you, most people don't live with their parents when they're a professional <laughs> footballer. Um, so he's saving a bit there, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a massive financial hit. He hasn't gone, oh, the sort of lifestyle I was kind of expecting for myself and had been accustomed to. I, I need, a, you know, a job that pays about this much. He's like, oh, I can just go from being a professional footballer to working in the bistro. He's yeah. not, he doesn't seem sad about it. I mean, no, he touched right. the grass, but I'd be crying. Like, if somebody said to me, you know that thing that you'd worked really hard for your whole life and sacrificed? I mean, he'd mentioned it a few times, but he didn't seem sad about it. He did say, you know, I worked hard for this. But, I mean, he yeah. didn't cry, didn't... You you asking for more Bailey series? It just totally have taken it in his stride, which is fine, but it just feels a bit Forrest Gumpy, you know? Like, oh well, I guess I'm gonna run around the country for a ten years now. <laughs> oh no, my girlfriend's dead. I guess I'll just open a shrimp restaurant. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, are you having any yeah. emotional reaction to this whatsoever? He he kind of looked almost a little bit sad at one point, but yeah, we. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, but James Bailey right. is just a lost cause. Very much it. so. Yeah, I don't you go, care you go about t- him. You go teach Lily how to to play football, James. You go for it. Even that's not interesting. Well, let's move on then. Let's let's do the Cardi storyline, Gemma. Another one which had on Monday multiple scenes that we saw filmed. So um, the thing is about this what? is that we've spoken about these scenes and talk and watched these scenes and discuss these scenes together and recorded podcasts where we talk about these scenes. So talking about them again feels really weird to me and that's why I'm getting really confused. <laughs> that's why I got confused about the about the Stephen stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. On Monday, Dev and Asha with Ardy, who got shot in the volume wall and he's still hurting because Kelly abandoned him and he doesn't want to speak to anybody. Then we see Gary and Maria, and this is the scene that we got to see filmed. And again, the bonus podcast talks about what we saw and what what they were doing and how they filmed all this. It's really worth a listen. I know. I think we 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 get more downloads for our street talk episodes and the bonus podcasts generally. But if you're interested at all in behind the scenes stuff, please please do listen to our bonus podcast this week. And you might think think there's some nice little tidbits there. You might think we said everything there is to say, but trust me, there's a lot more that we haven't said um, that you can hear in the bonus podcast. Anyway, Gary and Maria in the flat and they're like, oh, what should we do? Kelly's gone. Where is she? The other thing that I'm finding confusing about this is that these scenes we speculated about how they got to this point of the plot like a month ago before any of this happened. Mm. So I'm forgetting the context of this originally because all the stupid theories that we came up with are still boiling around in my head. So 
Kelly's gone, they don't know what to do, and then Dev comes in. And Dev has a massive go at Gary because Ardie has been shot and um, Gary's like, oh, he's just collateral damage. Nobody <laughs> meant to hurt him. And he's like, what do you mean collateral damage? And Gary says that Ardie, nobody's coming after Ardie. I remember when I heard that line when we were at the recording and thinking, oh, Gary, you shouldn't have said that. That's a bit, bit harsh Nobody calling Ardie collateral damage. Nobody was collateral damage. And, um, and Dev's like, look. Kaladi rule damage. I'll let you okay. carry on. Okay. Um, he's like, please, please, Gary, we're both parents. Surely you understand how I'm feeling. Can you please go and talk to, to Ardie to convince him that there's no future between him and Kelly? So Gary does go, he goes to the hospital and he, um, Ardie tells Gary he's just been getting Kelly's voicemail, trying to phone him, phone her and she won't pick up. And Gary says, look, she, she doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. She wants a clean break, a new life. Dev's there, he's listening. Ardie doesn't understand, he's so innocent and sweet. He took a bullet for that girl. Um, and Kelly said, Kelly told him that he, she loved him, so she, he doesn't understand why he would now, she would now abandon him. And Dev says, she was lying, Gary, tell him. And uh, Gary then lies to Ardie as well and says, No, no, he, he, he's like, I can't do it. And then yeah, Dev says, Dev says, Kelly told Gary that she didn't even know if she loved you or not, which is a lie. And, um, she, he, he sort of speculates that they were um, caught up in the, the competition of the you know, get a free holiday or whatever it was for being engaged. And Ardie won't accept it. And he starts crying. And he says, Dev, you're lying, you're lying. Well, Dad. And uh, Gary's like, sorry, mate. <laughs> that was so sad. Oh, I felt really bad. His little heart got broken. I felt bad for all of them in this, apart from maybe Gary the murderer. But poor Dev. Having to lie to having his to tell son his son that it, for, his for his own, own good. safety, yeah. Oh, poignant. Bernie finds finds Dev at home after visiting Ardy, um, and she's like, "Sorry, by the way, you know I was kind of tied him up the other day. Well, I broke this golf trophy, and um, <laughs> it was a really tacky looking trophy as well. Wasn't I couldn't it? find the head, so I just made a new one. And I, oh yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and she's and found she sellotaped this head on. And he's like, I can't believe this. That was Arnie's first ever trophy. How do you think that you could just stick another head on yeah, the top? Yeah, it's like the under eights trophy. I mean, it, it is he says, true. He said, around here, we don't swap heads with people. <laughs> and she's like, Dev, I think you might find. Yeah, she should have said. It was just a, 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 a classic Cory head she swap. She should be you, like. You know, Ardy had one. He's got a new head, but it looks the same to me. <laughs> so. I mean, to be fair. I know, I know it was kind of supposed to be funny and everything, but I think in real life, nobody would do what Bernie did and think that they were going to get away with it, did they? It well, looked awful. Bernie's a bit of a, a dodger and a diver, isn't she? Just a tad, yeah. He chucks her out. Um, then, for some reason, this motivates Bernie to hunt out Fern's card. Oh, I think it's because she's now got no job. So she needs some money. Mm. So she takes Fern up on her offer, which is to do the speed awareness course for her, pretend to be her. So Fern um, leaves her with all of her stuff so that she can impersonate her at this place. So back at the flat, Gary debriefs to Maria about um, talking to Ardy and to their sort of musing about what they should do. And then DS Beckett comes in. She's like... Come to the station, I want to talk to you, I've got some questions. Just like old times, Gary. <laughs> um, they go to the, the police station and we get to see the in, uh, interview and Beckett's very suspicious of all the events that he's been involved in and Gary's like, no, didn't, don't know what you mean, nothing's dodgy about me, I'm a straight up bloke. 
And uh, DS Packet says, um, you know what I think, Gary? I think you're up in this up to your neck. So, doesn't work though, does it? She was bluffing. Yes. Gary comes back to Maria. They've not arrested him. They've not done anything. And um, then they discuss what's going on and how they could be implicated. Then they get a phone call and it's the police and Kelly's got in touch with them, told them she's fine. She doesn't want to talk to them. And Kieran and Heavy have been charged. And I don't understand why this doesn't then implicate everybody, but uh, don't worry about it anymore. It's fine. No, no. they uh, No, Gary is talking to Maria and saying, um, if, if Kieran and Heavy say that they'd been hired to kill him, then they would get in even more trouble. So they were, they were charged for, you know, causing mischief and shooting Ardy, but... Yeah, the the whole hired assassin thing is a secret at the moment. So Gary's managed to get away with it again, basically. Yeah. On Wednesday, is it Wednesday? Yeah. Stu's talking with Asha about Kelly, and he's upset that she's done a runner without saying goodbye, because they remember they were homeless together. Yeah, people were saying after last week's episode, like, why wasn't Stu at the engagement party? So I'm just kind of imagining Bill Fellows wasn't available for that, and he had to put some scene in into Wednesday's episode to kind of bring some kind of closure to it. Asha and Nina go to see RD, he's in hospital, and they're trying to convince him that Kelly did love him, and it wasn't just an act. And Maria asks Nina how RD is when they're in the pub later, and she says, oh, he's really upset because... Of he's messed up about Kelly. Asha and Nina then go back to the hospital to see Ardy, and Asha tells them they should go glamping, and then a nurse comes in and says, "Have you done a poo?" And they run away. <laughs> she says, "Have you? How have your bowels been? Have you done a movement recently?" <laughs> I that nurse. Why would you ask that in front of people who were clearly either his friends or relatives? Come on, little now. teenage boy asking yeah. in front of a girl. Yeah, come on. It was funny. It was funny. But- Maria goes to see Ardy and he says, oh, Kelly never loved me. Maria says that Kelly's had a difficult life. She really did, she really did have strong feelings for you. But um, if, you need, if you love her, you need to let her free and have the space to go out there and discover what she wants from life. Then we'll so have she Bernie. Does, so she does. Oh, yeah, though, sorry, I forgot to tell you about this before we started recording. So I didn't know whether this Bernie Double Trouble story was going to be separate, but it all kind of got mingled in together. So that was everything that happened Gary and Maria-wise. But meanwhile, on Wednesday, Bernie, Gemma, I'll pass back to you. Bernie's got to go to this course. Um... She tells Gemma that she's going to a job interview, doesn't she? Oh, a cleaning okay. interview. All right, then. Bernie scrubs up nicely. She heads off, leaves Paul with the kids. The course goes smashingly. <laughs> Don't say that on the speed of awareness, course. Um, and then as she, she leaves, and then um, she she's she kind of get, trying to get out of there really quick, and then a man comes, and, and he's like, Fern, hang on a minute. And she's like, uh-oh, I've been rumbled. And he says, you left your scarf. And she's quite funny because she does all this weird, like she thinks posh talk to him. She starts, you know, she's just talking about, oh yeah, all the people at the boutiques in London know where, where know me, and I get all my scars from there. And she's I bought just this kind of... in a fancy London boutique, which is exactly what women who buy their clothes in fancy London boutiques would say. Yes. Benny and Fern meet up in the Ginnel, and Fern's very pleased to hear it's gone well, and she hands out the cash, and then she says, oh, here's a voucher for a day in my club if you want, and Benny says, no, I don't want to bring negativity to the universe. Then she goes home, and she tells everyone she didn't get the job, and then she, um... 
she makes out the money that she got from Fern is from a trial period that she didn't succeed at or something. Yeah, yeah. She said, well, I did this cleaning for the interview. I didn't get the job, but they at least paid me to do the cleaning. Great. That's the end of that. So I really like this scene with Bernie and Fern. Right in the beginning. We'll talk about it later, won't okay, we? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Friday, Bernie tries to talk to Dev outside the shop and he doesn't want to talk to her, but she convinces him. They go back to number five and Dev admits he's blaming himself for what happened to Ardy. Says, oh, I wish I'd been a better dad. Oh, you know that time I left him in the car to die? After that, I promised I would be a better dad. And now, look, he's been shot. <laughs> if I was Dev, I'd say, well, there's no point even trying then, is there? No yeah. matter what I do. The universe has obviously got it out, got it in for Ardy. Asha finds Chesney in the pub. That's what Bernie would say. She's looking for Dev. They head to number five. And when they get there, oh, dear. Um, Bernie and Dev are upstairs, aren't they? And they come back down. Yeah, they do the classic soap thing of um, coming down the hut. I think they were mostly dressed, weren't they? Usually they're just buttoning up shirts and everything, but the characters just look like their hair has been a bit um, bit bedraggled, wasn't it? But it was very clear what they've been up to up there. And Dev's pants are um, falling out of his trouser leg, aren't they? Yeah, and then Bernie grabs it, but he runs off without them. Kind of like Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, you imagine like go around the street. Whoever these pants fit will be, be my the husband. <laughs> so uh, Dev goes to, to pick up Ardy, and um, Ash is mad about him, uh, mad at him because he was supposed to go come with her, but he was bonking Bernie. So, but she doesn't tell Ardy that's why they were late. They get back home, and Dev's trying to fall over himself to be a good dad, talking about a father-son tournament at the golf club. And then Bernie comes around with a pack, and. Um, uh, Ardy thinks it's for him and then he he's, like, he's like oh is this a get well present for me and then it's his pair of his dad pants that was a little bit rude of Ardy to just start just tearing it, it open yeah. before she but very very presum- uh, no what's the word yeah presumptuous of him yeah. Ardy has a go at Dev um, and Bernie says hang on a minute look he's been devastated since you were in hospital he did he say loves devastated you, and he came around earlier because he needed someone to talk to and sometimes he made mistakes, so leave him alone. And she sees herself out. And then Ardy, Asha and Dev have a reconciliation chat in the cafe. And that's the end of that. Yeah, it's all well. All's well that ends well for the Allahans. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was fairly nice stuff. We'll get to the Bernie stuff later and, and Dev. But um, I, I don't know whether there's... What, what else do we want to say about our experience of seeing those Gary and Maria scenes filmed? Because, yes, it was on the um, the bonus podcast episode. But how did you find watching, like, a series of scenes that we'd seen filmed? Because I... We, we, as, we, as they were on, it was like another case of kind of... We were grinning ear to ear whenever any scenes in Maria's and Gary's flat. And that's the first time that's ever happened, I'll tell you that. And we actually... We, we watched the epi- those scenes again today, didn't we? Because we realised that we only kind of... Half-watched we, them. We, we, we were so caught in the moment of, oh, we were there, we were watching those scenes that we didn't necessarily take in exactly what happened in them. So, um... I, I thought that was it was it was just so really really exciting but I also enjoyed seeing the in-between scenes so like what actually happened when Gary and Dev went off to the hospital because we saw the scene in the flat where Dev was saying we need to go to the hospital but we didn't know what the hospital scene was we saw Beckett come and take Gary to the police station but we hadn't seen the interview scene so it was really interesting piecing it all together I thought um I forgot what I was going to say. What? What? How? How did you find it? It was very interesting. I mean, I don't have a lot. I mean, I've, the thing is, Michael, I don't know why 
We've spoken about this so many times. I know. I know. I just... I can't. I don't have anything more to add. No. It was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. I thought I, I really liked Samia and Mikey. They were really lovely. Um, they were really friendly as well. And it was really fun to watch them. I learned a lot about um, just the process of the scenes and how they come together um, mm. from watching them. Or, you know, from the very beginning, we got to see these scenes from the rehearsals all the way through to the final kind of edit. Well, cut, you know, yeah. not the edit, but the, the, we got to sit inside the director's room and watch all the different angles and see how they moved the bits around from the set and move walls out and, and change where the actors were going to be standing or sitting. To come in and out and yeah. the hands in the wrong place, do it again and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff about it in the bonus podcast where we talk about it um i just really really had a great time watching it and the scenes were interesting and it is mm. but it's difficult to really judge them in context because i'm still hung up with all the things i had in my head about what is the scene actually about who are they talking yeah. about what's this photo what's going to happen who are these hired killers where's kelly gone did gary kill her Etc. Etc. Et I think cetera. out of all of the scenes that we saw there, the, my favourite one and the best bit was was Dev coming in and being um, angry, but also really like desperate and upset and begging Gary to do something about it. And I really, really felt for him this week because he, he's he's always just wanted to be a brilliant dad, especially ever since Sunita died. And when he was saying, "Oh, you know, my son's nearly died twice in the past year." It's like, I, I, yeah, definitely felt bad for him and, and Jimmy put in a great performance there. I, I felt that the storyline kind of lost momentum a little bit from Wednesday onwards because it felt still... Sometimes when they have the big stories on Coronation Street, the as soon as the climax episode has been on, it can kind of drop off in the interest stakes. But Monday still had me gripped and it still felt like there was something really big and exciting happening. But the stuff with RD in hospital on Wednesday and, and the Devon Burnley stuff today wasn't wasn't as fun. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. Um, do you think that Kelly is going to be back? No. Gemma says no. Okay. I mean, why are you asking me? Well, I just wonder. That seems like a sensible thing to ask. She, because, I mean, Mir- Maria was saying to Ardy, you know what, she's going to go off, she's going to find you know herself, discover not. herself. No, 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 I mean, not now. I know that she's gone, but do you, are you expecting to see her in the future? I hope to. I hope to. I, I kind of think that we probably will, but maybe that's just my, that's just my, my kind of hope. Um, what would, what were you wanting to say about the Bernie and Fern scene in the, in the, in the, in the Ginnell? Um, I really, I don't know. Is it me, or did anyone else pick up on this kind of possible friendship slash sexual tension? What? I don't know. I just thought that they they felt it felt to me like they both kind of wanted a bit more out of this interaction than they got. It's kind of like they didn't want to say goodbye to each other. Yeah, I didn't pick up that at all. I remember reading. You know how um, you know how South Korea they they clone they can clone cats. Yes. I think I've heard this. Um, I remember reading a story about somebody who had their cat cloned. And the way this person decided to go about this process was to get the cat cloned when it was still alive. So at any one point, they'd have two of the same cat. Mm. Just replace one when it died, always with the same cat. And apparently, 
the cat, when it met its clone, they loved each other and they just spent the whole time like hugging each other and rolling around with each Aww. other. And I just thought, are they like a pair of cloned K- Korean cats <laughs> where they love each other because they're so similar? But I, I don't know. I, mean, I think that, that 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 Bernie thought that Fern was a bit of a um, bit of a stuck up cow, didn't she? But I, you are, I suppose, as as they've got to know each other better. Oh, what? Well, maybe it was me. Maybe friendship. it was just me that wanted maybe more. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Because I really can't. I really don't want to say goodbye to Fern. I think she's hilarious. I love this. There's so much mileage in this. Yeah, but you're and right. And why it... did she turn down this free? I was expecting this voucher for this country club. I was expecting her to turn up and pretend to be Fern and cause havoc. I quite liked that she didn't. And and although I definitely would like this story and the whole double trouble thing to carry on because it feels like there's a lot of mileage to it um i did say i did kind of think oh yeah good on you bernie for not taking advantage i suppose because i i know you've been a bigger fan of bernie than i have over the past few years but actually that moment made me think oh no okay you do just you know you're not interested in living the high life you just want to you just want to get money for your family so i thought yeah good, good on you for that but it did feel a little bit like that's the last that we'll see of Fern. And if it is, then I'm a bit gutted because she was seemed like an interesting character. There's surely more than you could do, more that, more that you could do with doubles than can you do my driving awareness course, which we didn't even get to see any of the course. That whole thing with the missing scarf just felt like, well, we need to have something to show that she's been there. Let's have this happen. Um... I mean, I, I may well be proved wrong. There's, there could be loads more left of this, but um, I don't know. I uh, it, it felt like it was done. And I suppose, to be fair, this was never uh, on the long-term plan for 2022 at the beginning of the year, was it? It was something that came out when um, Jane Hazelgrove realised that she and... Oh, I can't remember, is it Gabrielle? Something rather? The actress who plays Fern um, came up with when they realised that they look similar. So, uh, and then they said, can you, can you write a story where she comes in and she's my double? And you can't say, well, let's get rid of the Stephen Reed serial killer storyline or cut it down by half just so we can have this twin storyline in there. So maybe, maybe a couple of episodes is all that they could fit in. But I enjoyed them while they were on. And I did think, and you said this as well, didn't you, that Bernie looked quite good when she was all scrubbed up nicely looking like Fern. And I think she she looked... I just want to submit my complaint to um, whoever's in charge of Twitter who listens to this. I get so sick and tired of not being able to say anything nice about a female character on oh, Twitter. I know. If I say any nice thing about somebody, I immediately get a bunch of people jumping out of the woodwork going, no, she looks horrible. I think she's ugly and horrible. It's like, nobody asked you. Shut up. Who are you? Yeah, there, there were a couple of people that were like, what, no, I What think is she... your problem? Why Why do you, why just do you put negativity? Why? Yeah, I I I do. I think that I think that Bernie looked great when she was all scrubbed up, and she, did. and she looked more a lot more like Fern because when they when they had the first encounter, I was thinking, oh, they they, they kind of look similar, but not mega similar. But I think the clothes definitely did help. I I just wonder whether this this guy from the um from the speed awareness course is going to come back in it again, or I don't know. I don't know. It it feels like it shouldn't be over, but I wouldn't be surprised if it if it actually is. And and now I guess they're going more towards the the Bernie and Dev angle again, which Emma Cloud seems to really like the idea of Bernie and Dev together, doesn't he? But he's like, you know, puts it out there for a bit and then pulls it away for another eight months. 
could could this turn into something now, do you think? Are they going to actually properly get together? Who? Bernie and Dev. I don't know. Sorry, Michael, you know I don't feel very well. Okay. You keep, I told Michael earlier I feel sick, and he keep, and I'm, I'm just really holding on here as hard as I can. And every time I look ill, you look at me and go, what do you think? I'm not meaning I to. Feel, I think I don't feel very well. Okay, 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 right. Well, do you want me to talk about Stu's been framed? I would love you to. I'm going to tell you what happened in this storyline, everybody. Um, stay awake, please. So, Alia is off to look over the case files again today. The storyline's not been on for a few weeks. I don't know what they've been doing in the meantime, but Arlie thinks it'd be perfect time to go and look through the case files again, just in case they find any extra evidence. I don't know what she thinks she's looking for here. Stu says, look, you're wasting your time. But she's like, no, no, I'm determined. I'm going I'm to clear your name. Then Yasmin comes home. She's looking home. for a, bit of a sentence that says, Stu didn't do it. Yeah, That's I like d- crossed out. <laughs> yeah, like, hang on a minute. Then Yasmin comes home. I couldn't remember where she'd been, but apparently it comes out later that she'd been at Kathy's house or wherever she's moved to now. And she's like, oh, what, what's Speed Dial doing? Shut. So um, Stu kind of has a bit of a debrief with Yasmin. And they're nice and so a few nice scenes of the two of them sitting at the dinner table in number six there at an angle we, we don't often see. But um, she says, being, being with Kathy has made me realise we should be grabbing life while we can. Let's let's do this. We will get Speed Dial back on its feet again. We will get justice for you. Yeah, we can do it. And um, so we're going to reopen tomorrow. Zidane going to start handing leaflets out saying 50% off. Spread the word. Speed Dial is back in business. Hooray. I don't really care. So um, Yasmin and Ali are walking down the street together saying, oh... It really sucks that we still haven't been able to get to the bottom of Stu's case, does it? Um, if only we could afford a decent solicitor. And what do you know? When they go into the pub, there's a solicitor. It's like they put it out into the universe and it provided. It's Dee Dee Bailey. She's hanging around and Yasmin says, um, could you, could you like help us out? We haven't got any money. Do you work for free? And we can get, get you a cut of the compo if... If we win, and Dee Dee's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a look. So Friday, um, Dee Dee comes round to talk to Stu, gets the lowdown on the case, um, and, and she looks through the evidence uh, box and uh, where Alia hasn't been able to find any problem with it, even though that seems to be all she's been doing for the last month and a half or so. Dee Dee immediately finds tons of gaps. She says, right, I'm going to do a thorough investigation on this. So it transpires that at the time of the case, there was hardly anybody that was interviewed. We know that Stu was trapped in this interview room for, what, three three hours, was it, or something? More he said it was that. No, it must have been more than that. Three days? I don't know. Between Somewhere between three hours and three days, Stu was grilled. <laughs> but that was about it. There was... Um, there was a couple of other people that were that were brought into the story that I don't know whether had been mentioned before. So Charlie, the girl that was murdered, there was her ex-boyfriend. Um, well, he was described as a bit of an on-again, off-again boyfriend, wasn't he? And he was never checked for an alibi. What was he doing on the night of the murder? It could have been anything. Same with Charlie's dad, who was apparently done for GBH in 2002, but he was never kind of really investigated what he did on the night of the murder. It's becoming clearer and clearer that there's some kind of cover-up here. Um, so Dee Dee says, well, clearly the next thing that I need to do is go and track down this Lennox and see what I can get out of him. Um, so Alia, oh, and she also says to Alia, I'm going to go and see Lennox. You go and find Bridget, see if you can get any more information out of her. So Bridget apparently works at a nail bar. I hope it's not one of these slave nail bars that... Um, 
what's the face Rachel was running the other year but um, there was a bit of a fashion faux pas as well wasn't there then Gemma pointed out that Alia it wasn't me I thought you did who was it was it me who was it somebody online somebody pointed out that Alia and Bridget were wearing the same um, purple uh, blazer or something weren't they Maybe Ali is hoping to get a job there, I don't know. Anyway, she says, um, that, that there was something, something about the night that the murder happened and when did Stu come in from it and he didn't wake up Bridget or her mum and Bridget says, oh, I was sleeping all the way through the night. I don't remember. I can't really be particularly helpful or tell you anything that happened here. So, so and by the way, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in you quizzing me about this, so bugger off and don't come back again. Dee Dee, meanwhile, is buried in paperwork at the table at number three later, but then she gets this phone call because whoever it is that she's been in touch with has found Lennox's address. So she heads over to number six and goes, look, it's, this Lennox lives here. Um, we should go and see him. But then they're like, hang on a minute, maybe we should contact somebody else who knows him first um, before we go barging in like a bull in a china shop. Um, but... Stu, who hears about this uh, address being uncovered, kind of sneaks off and goes to have it out with Lennox himself. So he arrives at this massive house um, and starts banging on the door, but rather than DS Lennox opening, it's a lady, it's his wife, Margaret, who pretends, uh, so Stu, sorry, pretends that he's an old colleague of, um, of, uh, of Lennox from the force, and she says she doesn't believe him, and then she never called it the force either, and neither did he. And also, you're a bit late because my husband died last year. But it's a lie. Because as Stu leaves, he hears Lennox. Do we have a first name for Lennox? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, she hears him in the garden. And um, he, he, uh, he, Stu goes into the garden and, and, and Lennox is like, who are you? And Stu says, your worst nightmare, pal. Also threatening. So Stu's like absolutely livid and he explains to Lennox who he is. And, and I was starting to get an idea early on that there was something not quite right here because Lennox is just going, Margaret, Margaret. He was like the little Britain character. And it's like, he, he's not responding to anything that Stu's saying. Can he, is, is he kind of all right in the head? But um, Margaret eventually comes out and says, look, he doesn't remember you. He's got dementia. Can you please leave us? Alia and Dee Dee, eventually by this point, they've realised where Stu must be. So they kind of get there and, and drag him out. Stu has a bit of a sad moment being sorry for himself in Victoria Gardens when they go back to the street. And Alia kind of sits to, and listens to him talk about um, his dad and how he never showed his feelings and... Um, he, he has a bit of a cry himself and he oh I miss Bridget so much he said his dad never expressed emotion until he got sent down and then he cried yes that's it that was it wasn't it and um, Alia says look don't give up we'll manage this and then from behind them coming out of the tram stop we can see there's Bridget so it seems that she's had a bit of a change of heart um, the next scene in this story is at Speed Dial where Stu goes and tells Yasmin that he's giving up and Yasmin says no never surrender or whatever and then very handily, Bridget comes down the stairs and has, uh, she's also had a change of heart and decided that he can indeed meet his granddaughter, Eliza. And he says, yes, please, thank you very much. That'd be lovely. Um, and she says, oh yeah, Alia convinced me earlier. So well done, Alia, for that. 
But uh, she says, like, I don't want Eliza to grow up with an estranged granddad because I didn't, I mean, I've not known you, my dad, all these years and I don't want to deny Alia, uh, Eliza, sorry, the chance to have a relationship with you. So I'll bring her around tomorrow. And the final shot of the episode is Stu going, hooray, I'm going to meet my granddaughter. <laughs> and, and that's the cliffhanger that they put us in to try and hook us in to reach, to, to watch Monday's episode. Um, not the strongest one, but a happy moment for Stu. Um, I was still, I was, I really, really want to enjoy this story. And it's not that I don't particularly like all the characters that are involved. And it is also about a murder and everything, which I really like. But I think it's just maybe the pacing of it or something is off and it's, it's just not gripping me. I did enjoy the twist with Lennox today. Um, having him have dementia, I thought, oh, that's quite cool because that's immediately kind of a line of inquiry that's closed off. He's not going to remember anything that's going to happen there. Um, and But it's also made me think, like, are they, are they going to have him as the baddie? Because the last theory that I had was that he'd, he, he was the one that killed Charlie and he'd been having an affair with Lucy. But I don't think... I can't see the storyline... It would be a satisfactory ending if it's like, it was him, but he doesn't remember. Yeah, he doesn't remember, but they're still going to arrest him anyway and chuck him in prison. It does feel really sad. So I'm kind of, um, yeah, a little bit confused now about what actually happened. I know, it feels like it's a bit of a now what, rather, but not a now what as in, ooh, now what? Rather like, oh, now what? I'm a little bit, ooh, now what? Which one? The good, the good one, the one that they want us to think. But I, I don't, I, I just can't put my finger on exactly what it is that's, that's not gripping me here. Well, I don't know. I mean, we've got this ex, ex boyfriend. Yeah, we've got this ex boyfriend now that's been thrown into the mix here. But wasn't Lennox like the most obvious one because he's a dodgy cop? Well, yeah. How come he's got such a giant big house? Well, I don't know, dodgy cops, maybe being a dodgy wife... cop obviously pays well. No, maybe his wife's like a high-flying Cadbury's executive who invented dairy milk. Maybe. And she's the breadwinner. <laughs> Why not? Why not indeed? Um, so anyway, that that's what's been going on. What did you think about um, them involving Dee Dee in this? Um, it gives us something to do, very interesting, like character, she's not going to get paid, it was I suppose it we, we this thing with James like we said it was good that they gave they threw her into um, a legal situation on the very first episode but that was very much a uh, one episode case wasn't it that she was involved in and I suppose if they want to show her being a, a very thorough and competent lawyer this seems to be a, a good place to do it with I'd be really interested to see her in court because she is a bit she of an imp- feel like she'd have a good court presence no she doesn't um, I mean, Imran was always brilliant in court. He was always had great gravitas, didn't he? And it doesn't feel like Dee Dee would have that. But well, no, it feels like her style is a bit more kind of works. It works on a sort of one to one kind of a thing. Hmm. It feels to me that she would, she could just stand up in court, and she's got the gift of the gab, and she could just kind of maybe bamboozle the opposing side or something or, or basically blag her way through a case and she's one of these people that's the one that's such an amazing blagger that she will often win and then when the you know the gavel comes down not that they have gavels um and then and the course is over she's just gonna go like oh i did it again who'd have thought you know 
So I, I'm very, I'm interested to see how she how she performs when the inevitable court case comes. Um, I just hope that it's going to be fairly soon. I want this to definitely be wrapped up by Christmas. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. I mean, clearly the story's going to carry on next week because we'll get to see the encounter between Stu and Eliza. Um, I wonder whether Eliza will, you know, be asking questions or... I thought she was going to be a little baby. Well, no, no, we saw her. She was there in the... Um, in the what? in the nail. I'm sure she was there in the nail salon with the mum today. There was a little girl there. So, yeah, I... I, I don't know. I, I don't know where it's going to go, but, yeah... I hope it. I hope it happens soon because it's just not quite, not quite right. I did think that Dee Dee and Alia made quite a good team. I know I'm not a big Alia fan, but I quite enjoyed them sitting together, cracking the case together at the table today. And finally, we had the Leaveland storyline, um, which is an awful lot of fun. And I think reflecting back on it now, I do remember back in July, August reading that Maureen Litwin would be taking another mini break from the show because um, she was in a play at the Hope Mill Theatre, which is where we went to see Sally Ann Matthews and co doing um, doing some jolly good acting earlier and this year. the actress who plays Dee Dee was yeah. the director of one Shanique of the Shanique directed the Halal Hands one, didn't she? Indeed. Um, so, so Evelyn, oh, they had to find a reason to get Evelyn out of the show. And when I saw the charity stuff last week and I really, really enjoyed all the scenes with her and Roy, I didn't realise that this was a run-up to um, to her departing the show for a while. I've got no idea how long she's going to be away for. Like, oh, I'm assuming she'll be back by the end of the year, but I'm not sure. But anyway, what she gets up to this week is um, she's having to work um, at Joy's charity shop after all the palaver last week. And um, she basically just has it up to here with Joy, wittering on about things. Um, there's some great little reactions from Evelyn because basically they have Joy... Uh, at the very back of the shot and sometimes out of shot completely with a, with Evelyn taking up most of the shot just looking absolutely uh, sick as a dog of being there, being spoken to by this, this imbecile she would think. There was a funny bit where she picks up a cricket bat and she looks like she's about to go and bludgeon Joy in. And, um, she doesn't, she just leaves and um, she, she, she goes back to the street um and there's this there's a there's a scene with Mary, there's a reminder that the play's going on but nothing really happens there. And at the end of the episode, um she 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 buggers off to the tram stop. She's getting away from it all. Maybe Evelyn. to Evelyn, yeah. And um maybe she's gonna go and do, do another round the world tour with, with her friend James. Who knows? But um sorry Evelyn fans, that's the last that you're gonna see of her for a little bit. But she's not gone for good, so we can all be very pleased about that. And that's it. That is all that happened in Coronation Street this week. An awful lot. Oh, I did want to say that I thought it was quite interesting when they had that final scene with Evelyn and... Was it Chesney? No, Asher. Asher's the one that sees Evelyn leave. I guess that Sarah must have just been hanging around the studio or something and they had to have somebody to, to say goodbye with her. But hey? Sarah can't. Asher was not... Oh, no. Oh, no. I got confused. It wasn't Alia, was it? It was Asher. So Tanisha was hanging around the studio and and they have her goodbye scene by the posters underneath the viaduct next to the Rovers and that Fresh Go 4 poster that was the photoshopped Gemma and Chesney poster from early 2020, I think, was still up there. And that's quite funny because when you go on the Coronation Street tour, you can go underneath the viaduct there and still see this poster and it's clearly a case of, well, they just not swapped it out yet. But I never thought that they'd actually show it in the show any, anymore because... 
genuinely adverts don't stay up for nearly three years so i just thought it was up there for us for our benefit for us as tour goers but clearly in weatherfields they have different rotation for their posters underneath fire ducks i don't know anyway that was that for that and with that we have got to give this week's episodes a score and we need to give a character of the week yes who's yours who's my what character of the week um i don't know um, I kind of would like to say Stephen, just because of all the, the fun um, reactions and just to see him have his total meltdown and, and everything, all the all the, um, the drama build up around him and the tension and everything. That was that was brilliant. I loved it. Um, Dev was also pretty cool, Dave being a, desperately trying to be a good dad. I'm not going to give it to DD. I'm going I'm going I'm giving it. I'm giving it just. Jenny, Steve? No, I'm going to give it to Stevens, my character of the week. What about you? Mine too. Gemma says Stephen as well. I am giving this week's Coronation Street four jabbering Sarahs out of five. Gemma? I'm going to give it the same. It's The first two episodes are great. Less so today. For what? For dirty fingernails. Because the <laughs> thumb's fine. <laughs> fine. I, I'm, I'm getting a feeling, Gemma, that we maybe need to end the podcast here and save the news till next week. Do you I want? feel very ill. Gemma's very, very poorly at the moment. So I I'm not, I won't do the news and the you feedback. You can do it by solo. yourself if you like. Because I do it by myself. I can do a solo news. I can have a go at doing a solo news. Do you want to go to bed? Yeah. Stay, oh, poor Gemma, I'm really sorry that you're feeling bad. You've made it this far. You're going to you go off. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to go and have a sleep. Say goodbye to Gemma, everyone. I'm going to solo this podcast. Bye-bye. I'll I'll come and look after you in a bit. But um, I will move on and do some cabin now. On my lonesome, here we go. Okay, welcome to the cabin now. Oh, poor Gemma. So this is oh, this is me, just me left now. Not, I've even closed the door so she can go to sleep. So we're not going to have Abby, Abby come and join us. So it's just me and you for the cabin. And we'll see how this one-sided conversation street goes. First off, congratulations. Lucy Fallon is preggers. And Lucy Fallon, remember she played Bethany Platt. I don't know that we're going to see her again. I, I, I think I'd quite like to see Bethany again. Um, but it's not going to be for, for a little while anyway, because she's in the club. Um, so she's five months pregnant. Um, Ryan Ledson, her boyfriend, is the dad. And um, this was all revealed in OK Magazine this week. And um, I, I didn't read OK Magazine, but I saw some other articles about it online. Uh, apparently Lucy had a miscarriage back in March as well, which is must have been an awful experience, obviously, for her. But um, yeah, it's, I'm really, really pleased then in, in that case to hear that... Um, She's, she's now, you know, got, got pregnant again and um, five months down the line, everything's looking really rosy for her. So hope that all goes well. And um, I look forward to there being another Corrie baby. We get to find out what she calls it. Him, her, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> When's that going to be? Early next year, I guess. Anyway, I'll see, this is why I need Gemma to, to tell me to stop being an idiot and just move on to the next news because that's basically all the news is for this one. Lucy Fallon's pregnant. Well done. Now, hopefully we'll also be able to say well done to some Coronation Street people in the TV Times Awards this year because voting is now open. If you go over to whattowatch.com and um, you've got until <coughs> midnight on the 14th of October, so a couple of weeks' time, 
Um, and then you can vote for the best soap star. Um, so Sally Carmen and Millie Gibson are the nominees this year. Um, obviously, they've been both nominated for a whole lot of awards in the past 12 months or so. Um, I don't know. What's going on with Abby at the moment? It feels like, you know, ever since the... Even even with the Wendy Crozier storyline coming back, and that was beginning of July, was it? And we didn't see a whole lot of that. Considering that Abby was, you know, dominating the programme for so long and people were saying so much Abby, too much Abby going on, we've not really seen very much of her at all lately. They had that scene with her a couple of weeks ago where she um, graciously allowed Toya to have the baby for a bit. But um, I'm really missing Abby on Coronation Street. Get her back. But anyway, you can show your appreciation for Abby and Sally Carmen by voting for her. Or maybe you prefer Millie Gibson. That's a, always a tough choice than seeing those two. But um, they're our best soap star nominees. Don't vote for anyone in EastEnders or Emmerdale, please. Um, there's also a best young performer category. Now, this one's not just soaps. So um, we've got two nominees for, for Coronation Street. Isabel Flanagan, who plays Hope Stape, is going up against Jude Riordan, who plays Sam. So um, it's really cool that we've got Coronation Street. Oh, I say we. Coronation Street has got two nominees for that one. Choose, take your pick, vote one of them. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to, um, oh, it would be nice if one of them got into the, got the award, I guess. And Coronation Street can also be voted favourite soap. So anyway, like I said, if you head on over to whattowatch.com by midnight on the 14th of October, you can cast your vote. Is this, is this boring with just me? It feels like I definitely need somebody to rip off at the moment. I'm going to plough on through anyway, but I will not be offended in the slightest if you're all turning off at this point. Um, next bit of news. Do you have a wedding coming up? Would you like to wear something that was modelled on Coronation Street by um, Catherine Tilsley or Jane Danson or even Kim Marsh? Well, you can. If you get yourself over to the St Anne's Hospice Bridal and Vintage Store in Stockport, they've currently got some old Coronation Street wedding dresses um, that you can buy there. I've got no idea how much they cost. But apparently, um, I was, there, was a, there was an article, sorry, I can't remember where I read this one now, uh, probably Manchester Evening News, but um, apparently Coronation Street um, occasionally will donate some old costumes and things to, to this particular charity shop there. Um, yeah, and, and you can go and buy Michelle's old wedding dress or Eva's wedding dress or, or Leanne's, one of her many wedding dresses. Um, we don't need one, so I'll leave that to you. If anybody out there wants to go and wear it, take some photos and let us see. Um, that's news, I guess. Gemma, what do you think? Oh, you're not here, are you? Strictly Come Dancing started last week. We don't watch that in this house. But um, thank goodness we have got um, Rebecca to send us the updates. Now, this week we've got, well, this year, um, you might remember from before, we might have seen it, I guess, that there are two ex Corrie cast members on Strictly this year. We have got... Um, uh, Michelle Connor actress Kim Marsh and also Will Meller who played Harvey on Coronation Street um, currently pen pal of Sam so we may be seeing him again soon I'm guessing I don't know um, but anyway Rebecca sent us an update and she says that Will Meller is joint top after one week that's pretty cool 34 points is that out of 40? I guess it's out of 40. You got two eights and two nines. So yes, well done, Will Meller. He danced the jive to Living La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. Kim, on the other hand, only got 23 points um, last year. 
him, uh, so she got um, a four, two sixes and a seven. And she was dancing a jive to Yes by Mary Clayton. I don't know that one. Um, however, Rebecca says that the, carries are car the scores are carried on to week two. No one was eliminated in the first weeks. So um, hopefully if Kim Marsh is to stand any chance of staying in the competition for too long, um, she'll get some more points this Saturday and, uh, and she'll be safe for a bit longer. But anyway, good luck to both of them. I, I've got no idea who they're going up against. So obviously I want one of them to, to win because always Team Corrie. Um, Rebecca promises to report back next week about how they got on, so we will see. Um, next bit of news, yes, there is more. Richard Hawley, remember him? He played Johnny Connor in Coronation Street until he was swallowed up by a sinkhole nearly a year ago. And he has um, found work in Panto this Christmas. If you're anywhere in, um, in the west of the country, west middle of the country, head on over to Rill this Christmas because he will be playing the Emperor in Aladdin at the Rill Pavilion in December. I think it was going on for about three weeks or so. I'm still waiting to see if any Coronation Street stars or ex-Coronation Street stars, I guess, are going to be doing panto around this end of the country. They never seem to be, but um, I mean, always good to see ex-Curry people in, in, um, in panto, so maybe they will. This sounds quite good, but Reel's a bit too far away for us, so we won't be going to that one. I know that we've got some Welsh listeners, though, so get on over there and tell us what he's like and say hello from us as well. Finally, 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 in this solo news segment, which is really going on, Corrie next week is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because um, Friday there's going to be women's football, um, which I'm sure Lily Platt will be thrilled about. Um, but it, yeah, it does mean that all of Coronation Street is going to be condensed into the first three days of the week. I've got no idea what that means for the podcast. It's always a bit difficult to record it on a school night, so we may well wait on to Friday. But at least we won't be recording at midnight next Friday, because we'll be able to do it whenever I fancy when I get home from school. But anyway, don't miss Tuesday's episode. There's some great stuff going on. I, I, I don't know what's going on next week, but the Stephen storyline, I suppose, is going to carry on, and I'm enjoying that, so... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Coronation Street. That is it. That's the solo news. You're still listening. Anybody still out there? I'm going to go into the feedback now because I asked for some emails last week and I got some. Thank you very much. So, on to the feedback. Okay, feedback time. I'm really glad I don't have to do a solo podcast every week. This is kind of, kind of fun. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, I prefer having somebody here. Unfortunately, I'm actually so poorly. Um, last week's Coronation Street, the big week, the rooftop shenanigans with the volume wall, scored quite highly with our Facebook fans. 4.32 out of 5 is what you scored on average, so very high scores all round. Uh, not from everybody. Chad gave it two jammed firearms out of five, but his score was a bit of an outlier because uh, lots of other people were scoring three and a half and above, including Rebecca, who gave it four and a half times that Gail was on the wacky backy out of five. And uh, my favourite one on there was from Jonathan last week. He also had a Gail reference. Um, he scored it four and a half posher snacks than Gail would have got in if she'd known that Gabrielle were coming out of five. Thank you to everyone. We got loads of people putting scores in on last week's poll. So tar for everybody who voted. Um, let's see what emails we've got now, I guess. I guess, uh, yeah, we got one from Chris. And Chris says, hi, Gemma and Michael. Hello, hello, says Gemma from in bed. I'm a few days behind and I've only just now, on Thursday, finished watching the previous week's episodes and I'm listening to the podcast now. 
I don't know how people do it. Like, I always have to watch Coronation Street on the day that it's on. Like, very, very rarely will we leave it to the next day. I just get angsty. If I thought I was going to miss an episode, I'd be just lying there in bed thinking, I bet other people know what's happening. But anyway, Chris is Chris is caught up. Chris says, certainly sounds as if the show's producers shot themselves in the foot by drawing some people's attention to this volume wall thing. However, take it from someone who knew nothing about it at all, that the technology utilised absolutely did what it was designed to do. My focus remained completely on the fantastic performances of the actors, and I didn't even know until hearing you discuss it, that the cityscape behind the absolutely gripping action had been fake. I can imagine that it would indeed have been quite the distraction if your attention was drawn away from the characters and on to the background see that's really fascinating Chris and I don't know whether it was just because you know it must have been partly that we'd been built up it had been built up to us how amazing it was and they'd they'd blasted it all over social media and everything but it just it looked mega mega fake to me but I'm so so glad that there are people that watched it that, that, that did really enjoy it and that, that's that's great and if you were into the volume wall um our Patreon episode that we recorded this week was a lot of fun as well because we did one on because um, we always do our top fives with the Patreon and this this week this month sorry it was top five ways that we would like to see the volume wall implemented in Coronation Street in the future or something like that so rather than um, what we often do with the Patreon episode which is look back and like top five characters who did such and such you know top five barmaids top five whatever we said we we sometimes. Um, are a little bit more creative and Gemma and I had five ideas each for what the volume wall could be used for in Coronation Street in the future and that was a lot of fun so I hope the patrons um, have enjoyed that, that that listened to it I thought it was a quite good one anyway back to Chris's email um, the dizzying camera angles looking down from the building brought a real sense of danger and jeopardy and I did think that somebody could well end up dead in this episode I thought it was going to be one of the baddies who'd plummet to a grisly demise though until Ardy took one for the team <laughs> and I thought that his number was up yeah lots of people were really really worried for Ardy last week weren't they Gemma and I knew that he was going to be okay at least until Monday and I think he's pretty much fine now he got discharged by the end of today's episodes wasn't he he's fine i liked it in tonight's episode how um, shona and ardy were talking about how they both narrowly escaped death after being shot as if it's like yeah everyday thing in weatherfield someone's gonna get shot um anyway sorry chris i interrupted you again millie gibson's performance all week was stunning and as you've described this as her exit storyline i guess that's it for her time on the show which is a real shame when she said I'm not a little girl, I'm Kelly Nealon. I could totally envisage her starting to use her cash to get a team of heavies on her side and going on to preside over a new criminal empire, building on her father's legacy and fulfilling her destiny as the street's first bona fide female badass baddie in a very long time. It could still happen in the future, though. And then Chris emailed a little bit later and said, oh, we just mentioned Millie's leaving party, so she's definitely gone yet. Yes, Millie is definitely gone. Um... We won't be seeing her for a little while in Coronation Street, but oh, I'd still, I still really, really hope that we get to see her back sometime. I really, really do. I think there's far more that we could see for Kelly than we, we've had the chance to. But best of luck for Millie with uh, with whatever it is you're doing in the future anyway. Anyway, thank you very much, Chris, for writing in and for, for hearing our call for emails. Always good to hear your opinion. Uh, similarly, Rebecca, this is what she reckoned about last week's episodes. She said that they were fantastic, even though... She says she's sad to see Millie and Kelly go. 
Millie Slash Kelly. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't get killed off. I foresee her returning in a few years with Ardy's baby, as I'm still convinced she's pregnant after she and Ardy slept together. Nah, I don't I don't think so, Rebecca. You've had that theory right from the beginning, haven't you? Especially with Ardy saying about that old condom that he had in his wallet. But I think it's one of these things like now the Coronation Street bosses are like, well, she could be pregnant. She could not be pregnant. We will leave that to future producer to decide. So it's a bit like, you know, the, um, the situation with Emma when it was revealed that she was actually the fruit of Steve and Fiona's loins. And, um... Yeah, so I guess that, you know, we could see a child for Ardy in the future if they uh, if they want to. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see about that one. Rebecca continues, I love Def, Dev, also this week. Jimmy is fantastic whenever it's comedy with the speech at the party, to the drama with his faint and his anger at Gary in the hospital. Oh, what did you think about his anger with, uh, with Gary this week, Rebecca? Ardy asking Asher to be his best man was so sweet. And I also loved all the dancing scenes at the party. So good to get crowds and people getting close together again. Another great touch was having as good as hell by Lizzo playing in the background when Kelly told Gary she knew that he'd killed Rick. I was shocked at how Ardy was shot, and even though he seems okay at the moment, I really hope we aren't for him for a nasty shock, as I would hate Ardy to die, because I love him. I also think Gary has got away with it again, although Kelly could have lied about telling the police. Nope, it seems like he has got away with it again. I also liked the Kelly and Nina scene too, and the reference to Corey and Seb's murder. I didn't mind the special effects, but I can understand why some people didn't like them. I think I it may maybe the general opinion is people did like the special effects and I'm just an old fuddy duddy and I pick holes and everything. Honestly, I really, really am very happy for anyone who liked the effects. Um I just thought that they were too distracting. I don't know, I don't know. On to other stories for Rebecca, and Stephen is getting better and better every week. I laughed so much when Leo caught him sleeping in the car. Speaking of Leo, there is no way Jenny is moving to Canada, although I'm still thinking she might go with Leo and then return in a few months, giving Daisy a few months to run the Rovers. Nope. <laughs> I hope did that did that really catch you off guard, Rebecca, with the with the murder this week? I really, really hope so, because like we said earlier in the street talk section, this really this leaked from the Liverpool Echo, so I hope you avoided that. Back to Stephen, and I love David again this week. His snarking towards Stephen was brilliant. And what does he do again? To Stephen, swanning around being Canadian. I can't take Gabrielle seriously, though, as she played Duncan's wife, May. And did she? Yes, she did! Oh my gosh, I'd forgotten about that. I totally forgot. We haven't mentioned that on the podcast. So, evil Duncan... And this is... Rebecca, I copied and pasted your email without reading it before. Yes, Duncan, who, who sent Sally to prison. The wife, May, who Duncan said was dead. And she wasn't. It is her. <gasps> Live reaction. Oh, no, I'm not going to... I wondered whether she was really Canadian. <laughs> Clearly not. Clearly not an actual Canadian. I'm going to have to tell Gemma that because she doesn't know. Every time I see her, all I can see is May, says Rebecca. That's going to be me now. Although I need her to return in a few months to reveal the truth. And as Michael said, watch Stephen's head blow off. Hmm. Shona referencing friends as well regarding Jenny and Leo was great too. The Evelyn and Roy stuff was great as well. And I'm wondering if Evelyn will find Haley's coat at the charity shop when she's working there. Yeah, what's happening with Haley's coat now? I assume it will be found. But it's not going to be by Evelyn because she's disappeared off somewhere. 
Ah, the story is ongoing. I also love Roy's train stop sign that he got for his birthday. It was a perfect birthday gift for Roy. And I loved Hayley's coat and Hayley getting referenced herself. Character of the week for Rebecca was Kelly, although Dev was a very close second. I'll give this week four and a half times girls on the wacky backy out of five. Thank you very much, Rebecca. On to Peter. Hi, Gemma and Michael. I've not emailed for a long time. No, you haven't, have you, Peter? Thank you very much for doing so this week. I'm sorry, Gemma isn't here to hear it, which is poorly. Right, haven't missed an episode of the podcast, Peter says, for many years. Firstly, huge well done on what you've achieved. Thanks. Taking the pod from strength to strength. The content gets so much richer year on year, particularly as you're clearly now officially part of the Cory family. Well, that's what we've been told. <laughs> uh, secondly, my other reason for getting in contact is to suggest a minor improvement to the podcast. What? No way. But please hear me out. When you do the next podcast awards, how about inaugurating a new award titled the I Nearly Spat My Tea Out Award? It would go to the best one-liner of the year. There's no shortage, and even if we started shortlisting now for Christmas, I reckon you'd have plenty. Just from this week alone, we'd have I'll Stick It On Plat Chat and... <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit boring, Jenny. Let's look at the facts. This is the most interesting thing he's ever done. <laughs> the award could go to the writer of the episode or the character or actor. What do you guys reckon? I do. I quite like that idea. I don't know whether I want to call it the last nearly spit my tea out because that doesn't fit along with how we name all the other awards, does it? After the, uh, the Northern Frasers. I'd have to think of a different name. Do I want another award? I've already quite got a lot. I like the idea of that though. I need to I need to make a bank of 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 lines because I got my like my favorite scenes of the year I write down because at the end of the year on Patreon we always do a top 5 scenes of the year. Yeah, I should I should make a list of quotes. We're not doing it this year, but it's something. I like that. Thank you for the suggestion. Who knows, maybe in future. Um and uh Peter ends the email with love and light babes, yeah. <laughs> the Bailey reference from earlier this week. Um, next up, we have got Nancy, who says, Hello, Gemma and Michael. I love the Kelly, Exi sto Kelly exit story this week. The scenes with Kelly, Ardy and Maria were wonderful, as was Dev's speech at the engagement party. Um, I love seeing Rick Nealon speaking with Kelly and the quote, He that dies pays all debts. I was afraid Ardy would get shot when, Kelly went to when Gary went to rescue Kelly. I hope Ardy recovers. He's fine. He's all right. He's all right. He's fine. Doing his poos. Everything's fine. I thought that Kelly's leaving scene reminded me of Karen's leaving scene. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm just, I think I must have watched that when we were watching the old episodes with Gemma earlier this year. So I think, yeah, after Karen's breakdown back in 2006, I'm going to say, maybe. She kind of walks off down the street in the snow, I think, doesn't she? So yeah, it was quite similar to that, Nancy. You are right. Leo punching, punching Stephen was wonderful, Rebecca says. No, sorry, Nancy says. <laughs> sorry, Nancy. Um, I think Leo will be stopped somehow by Stephen from leaving to go to Canada. Oh, yes. <laughs> I hope David and Audrey get more suspicious of him. Gabrielle should go to the police. Yeah, why is Gabrielle saying, I'll give you a month? I suppose it's because if Stephen's here, if Stephen's in jail, she's not going to get her money, is she? But she's been very, very generous with that time scale. She needs to get in there quick. She knows about the block storytelling, doesn't she? Stephen seems not to know that Carla owns Underworld. Um, and he said, and Nancy says that Stephen reminds him of Frank Foster. Maybe. I think that, I think Frank Foster's a little bit more serious. Stephen's just on the slight edge of comedy, is he? I know, it's, Stephen's more flappable than Frank Foster was, I think. 
but maybe that's just in the past week when things have been going a bit more south for him. I don't know. Um, is that 10 years since Frank Foster, wasn't it? Jenny should have mentioned that Stephen shortchanged her £10. Evelyn was wonderful trying to find Haley's anorak for Roy. I loved Evelyn's scenes with Roy when she bought him a birthday present as well. Four and a half punches by Leo landing Stephen on the rover's floor out of five is what Nancy scores the week. And for her, the character of the week was Kelly. Thank you very much, Nancy. We have, I'm going to race on Rachel now. So... This email came to us a while ago because, it, and I had it buried in the depths of our inbox for a little while because it talked about Kelly's leaving and I didn't want to read it out at the time because it was a spoiler, but um, Rachel, thank you very much for writing to us back a month or so ago and she said, Hello Michael and Gemma, I've been watching Coronation Street for almost a year and I've been listening to your podcast for over a month now. Oh, it's over two months now, hopefully you're still listening. Being in America, I know of no other fans of the show, so your podcast is like having a chat with very funny friends, oh thanks, about the antics on the cobbles. I just want to say, watching last week's episodes of Ardy and Kelly falling in love and getting engaged made me sad knowing Millie is leaving. The writers are setting Ardy up for heartbreak, and me as well. I'm so afraid that they're going to kill Kelly off, and if they do, I'll be laying on my TV, ugly crying the way she laid on her dead mum in the hospital. Lots of love to you both, and congratulations on your 10-year podcast anniversary. Thank you, Rachel. I hope you're still listening, hope you're still watching Coronation Street, and I hope you're very glad that Kelly is um is living another day but so uh, it is it's sad that she's left very sad but you know if she hadn't left we wouldn't have been able to go to her leaving party and that was quite fun so every cloud day our final email of the night comes from George and then I can shut up and he says Corrie's recent big storylines have felt a bit of a farce, uh-oh, as they promise exciting drama on the edge of the seat stuff, and then in the end, an anticlimax that has me asking, are they trying to take the mick? Toya's trial left me wondering, do we really know what happened in the crash? As well, she said to Leanne and Spider she did it, I'm not sure, as we've only got her word for it, and chances are we'll never know, and have to watch Adam and Syrah give her dirty looks and calling her names in the playground. I know what you mean. I, I feel ever so, well not ever so slightly, is quite a bit unsatisfied by how that's been left. And the thing is we've not even seen, have you seen any of Toya since the trial? I don't know, I mean it was obviously big scenes with Georgia Taylor and, and the block storytelling means that she can't be on all the time but it did, it felt like a bit of a build up to nothing didn't it? And she got away with it and she's a murderer. <laughs> but not, no, sorry she's not a murderer but she did it on purpose. She's a manslaughter and she totally got away with it. I don't know what they're going to do with the character next. Um, going back to uh, to George's email, P Kelly's gone. Hooray! Oh, and give it time, Ardy will realise that if he went through that sham marriage, he wouldn't be wearing the trousers. He said pants. I just automatically translated to trousers. I'm sorry. I did think that Kelly would be shot instead of Ardy using up another of his nine lies following what happened last year. Although it did make me feel sorry for our wannabe villain, Gary. Are you really hearing that Kelly's gone there, George? Oh, that's harsh. That is harsh. Kelly's great. I have forgiven her for being a nasty internet porn distributing said kicking scumbag. She's lovely now. I hope I'm going to see her again. As for Leo, all I have to say is, see ya. <laughs> but here's another who I'm not convinced he's dead, as all we saw was the fisticuffs and then splat, and the rest of the story had to be shrouded in mystery as they tried to make it feel like we're in the plot of the scary horror film with music and all that. Yes, there was lots of music and editing and stuff. Usually I hate it, but I loved it this week. Um, we've seen the grave. Surely, surely, 
nobody can think that Leo is actually still alive now. I know that the, the grave wasn't mega clear in that shot. I think they could have brightened it up a little bit or, or zoomed out a little bit more. But um, he's dead. He's dead. Leo's not coming back. Everybody celebrate apart from Jenny. Finally, George says, unrelated note, who do you think you are? No, he doesn't say that at all. Who do you think will go the distance on Strictly? Gangster Harvey or Bistro Ninja Michelle? See, I would have said before, clearly Michelle. I don't know why. Maybe Will Meller is an awesome dancer. I mean, apparently he is. He got his nearly full score this week. I don't know. I haven't seen the dancers, so I don't know what went wrong with Kim Marsh's score. But um, yeah, I'm very surprised to hear that. I hope that they both stay in it for a little while, just to represent Team Corey there. I don't even know whether there's anyone in EastEnders or Emmerdale or not. I've got no idea. But anyway, I don't know is the answer because we don't watch Strictly. Sorry, but people can keep telling us what's happening. I'm interested to know. I just don't have the time to watch it myself on the inclination. Oh, Gogglebox. Apparently Coronation Street was on Gogglebox the night Rebecca said they showed some um, Kelly scenes. If you like Gogglebox, it's good. It's a bit like a podcast, but with faces. You can get on there and watch people talking about the the scenes. I wonder what they thought of the, <laughs> the volume wall stuff. Anyway, that's plenty from me. This is why I don't do a solo podcast, because it probably wasn't that great, but I wanted to carry it on to get us through to the end, because I did ask for emails, and we got some. Thank you very much. So, if you would like to join these fine folks in emailing us, then our address, of course, is conversationstreet at gmail.com. Send us an email. Tell us what you thought of this week's stuff. Stephen's a murderer. What do you reckon to that then? <laughs> Don't be afraid to tell us if you think it's rubbish. I know that, you know, we can have our quite strong opinions. But honestly, please, whether you think it's a brilliant, whether you think it's awful, whether you're a bit on the fence about it, I really want to know what your reaction was as well. Did you suspect this was going to happen? Did you avoid those spoilers coming out from the flipping Liverpool Echo? What did you think about Stephen killing off Leo? I thought, tell us you hated it, whatever. Tell us you loved it. Email us. You can leave a comment on our blog. Nobody's left a comment on our blog for ages. I guess that's just not the way to do it these days. But you still can if you want to. If you want to be a bit different, a bit out there, you can go to conversationstreet.podbean.com and leave a comment or do it on the Podbean app or whatever. It'll get to us. Um, if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes yet, maybe don't judge it on the last half an hour on this podcast, but, you know, generally the podcast, five stars, yeah, definitely. Give us a review. Tell us how lovely it is, whether you're in US or Canada or UK or Australia or anywhere. If you haven't done it yet, give us a review. We are on Instagram. We've got some great pictures on Instagram this week. Um, we've been holding on to these pictures from the Gary and Maria scenes and the night shoot for a while. There's a really lovely picture of, of me and Samia and Mikey on the sofa. Um, I don't even remember whether we talked about this on the podcast before, but after after those scenes in the flat had finished uh, and they came in and a chat with us and they said, oh, do you want to come and, do you want to come onto the set? And I was like, yeah. Um, so we went and went onto the set and I had to sit down and I don't know why Mikey decided that he wanted to pretend to, to feed me tea, but there's one picture of him holding Gary's empty mug up to my mouth. That was another thing when I was watching that scene where Gary's slurping from his clearly empty cup and even the camera showed inside it was empty. That was quite funny today. But um, yes, there's some nice pictures of, of us there on the set um, and then a load of pictures from the nighttime shoot so you can see the dummy that they use to, to stand in for Leo. There's some nice 
atmospheric brewery pictures. There's a picture of um, of Todd Boyce by his van with a boom mic over him. There's some great stuff there. So check out that on our Instagram. Um, also on our Twitter, we're on Twitter at Conversation Stur. We've just recently made it over 8,000 followers. So thank you very much, everybody who follows us there. Are we going to get to 10,000 ever? I don't know. It's really kind of slowing down, but um, it could happen. It could happen. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, please do. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Facebook. We've got a lovely Facebook group. Somebody new joined that today. So hello if it is you. We're on YouTube. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we haven't got any video footage of any of our behind the scenes stuff from this week. Um, nobody told us that we couldn't film the episodes being filmed, but we kind of assumed that we weren't allowed to. So yeah, there's there's only photographs of, of, of that stuff. Um, but anyway, YouTube's not just for videos, is it? It's also for pictures and talking. So you can see our bonus podcast there. It's already there for this week. I uploaded it early this week. And we also put up a character profile of Millie Coldwell back from the, uh, the second or third years of the podcast. So um, do check that out if you like to hear about little old ladies and cats, I guess. Um, we are on Patreon, so thank you very much to all our patrons, we really, really appreciate you, and we hope that you enjoyed our bonus Patreon podcast, um, this week, um, all about top five uses of the volume wall, I was very happy with our conversation about that when I thought we came up with some good ideas, um, if any, you know, Coronation Street storyliners or, or writers or whatever are listening and want to know what our ideas are for the volume wall, we might just send you the episode if you want to. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can. But because you're special people and you just want to get our great ideas, we'll send it to you. We'll tell you and let you know. Um, oh, there's something else on Patreon, isn't there? We put up something else this week. I won't talk about that at the moment. But you know what it is if you're a Patreon. So, I said I'd finished talking ages ago. I'm blabbering on. Gemma's asleep. I'm a bit tired. I'm going to do the editing of this tomorrow, I think. Um, bye, everybody. Thank you for listening, especially if you listen all the way to the end. Did it's just me? Uh, bye. Thank you. See ya. Bye from Gemma. And the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.